You have two eyes, huh? Do you understand the game a bit? Yeah. Have a look. I'm not saying anything to you in particular because I know you're not too accurate with your reporting. That, that's what okay, you paid so you're for. You're saying I should resign. So you're saying I should resign. I think that's you should, your opinion. Yeah. Is that right? That's my opinion. Fine. Are you going to resign then? No, of course I'm not going to resign. I simplify things next time. <laughs> Welcome to TNC. What a show we have for you today. I'm your host, Nick Stoll. Joey Lynch is with me. And look, this this edition of TNC, I, I know I've said it before, it's an espresso edition. It's going to be short. It's going to be strong. It's going to give you the kick you need for your w- weekly football index. Joey told me to introduce this not as a mega powers uh, show. That's as me, a, and Yeah. So w- what do I have to introduce it as? Uh, we are TLC? The, the two, no, no, no. The two-man... No. With a two-man tag team? With a two-man power trip. This is a two-man power trip edition of the National Curriculum, Nick Stoll and Joey Lynch. Okay, please comment uh, if you're listening, uh, if you're watching, if you know what two-man power trip is. I don't know. uh, Me and Joey legally married now. I have no idea what this kind of means. I have have a partner that I think... you know, it would be a bit concerned with that. I don't know whether we're in some kind of binding agreement where, you know, if, if I die, Joey well, you dies. See or way. Uh, Nick Stoll. Uh, oh, Jesus. What is this? What two-man power trip. Uh, we're going to get on the air. Uh, okay. And talk right. about absolutely nothing for 20 minutes. Uh, Paul, Paul Turner's right. Already wasting time. I've said it's the, the, uh, the espresso edition. And it is. We're going to get right into everything. Uh, Toros, by the way, keep your comments coming in. This is this is why we do the show. Surprised you're not in your life jacket, Nick. Does anyone understand that reference? What is he referring to there, Joey? That's a that's a puffer jacket because he lives in Melbourne. A much colder climate, a much suboptimal thing. Um, uh, my girlfriend's just handed me a note that says, tag team sounds like a sex thing. So I don't know. Me and Joey, you know, we're close. Uh, you know, maybe not in proximity, but, you know. Joey, hey, I've seen some photos of Joey looking good for uh, corporate events. And, hey, you know, we're, we're in Rome. Uh, run the memes, good friend of the show, you know, family of the show. Late TNC is football culture. That's absolutely uh, right. Edmund, our young, makes the point. Espre- oh, Edmund, you made, a, you made a horrible error there. You've said espresso edition. It's espresso edition, under three hours. And just to get annoyed at the fact that you've said espresso edition, we're bringing in our resident Italiano, uh, I was going to say Benvenuto, that's Spanish. Benvenuto, <laughs> Benvenuto, how do you say welcome in it? Uh, Benvenuto. Benvenuto, Nick Dabano, come stai? I'm just checking my game because Joey did the look like yeah, I yeah, was just, game it, really it, it wasn't quite intro to Back, <laughs> to, back to the Future explosion. Yeah. But it was close <laughs> not, to that. I was like, I'm, I'm sure my gain's not too high. Yes, uh, Benvenuto. Uh, sorry for running a little bit late. I had other commitments with the other football codes, so I only just got home from the MCG. It's been a, a long day, but uh, great to be here. Stoll, it's good to see that you're above water and uh, you're not completely flooded in up there because it seems a bit chaotic up in Sydney at the moment. Well, Toros has also made that point. He says, isn't it flooding in Sydney? So that's what his reference is to. Uh, Toros, it is flooding in Sydney. Shout out to uh, all the people uh, near the Hawkesbury uh, River where it is flooding and, and I feel bad for them. Um, but I live in Surrey Hills on the top of the hill. Uh, so I have, I have, I make sure that when global warming comes, the sea levels rise. I'll still be at the top, my friends. Uh, as I don't own this place, uh, I'll probably be kicked out and I'll be swimming with the rest of you. 
Um, but you know, it's the, hey, look, we're gonna get into the Matildas. We're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about Teflon Tony. Nothing sticks to him. Uh, you know, the game against Portugal. We're gonna talk about A League women's expansion. Great news for the league. Great news for the game. We're gonna get pumped up about that. Um, Ante and Josh, you might be wondering where they are. Uh, look, Josh is at the theater. Uh, shout out to him. He's seeing six. We're gonna get a review from him next week. And Ante, look, he's with the aliens. Uh, we don't know. He he's not saying anything. You know, Bazanik's gone down to the Wanderers, so they had to take one back up. And uh, Ante, I think, is who they've taken up for now. But we're also, obviously, going to talk about what Jesse Jenkinson has brought out. Is Ninkovic the biggest heel turn in the A-League? Now, first, Jesse, that sounds like a referring reference. Because what the heel? What, why you guys, you guys say heel a lot. And I don't think it's because of Achilles heel. It's, wanna, it's what, stole. Stole. Yeah. Heel, heel is not just a wrestling term. It's a term for all pop culture. Yeah. But obviously, it's originated from wrestling. Heel. Like, you're, you're, a, you're the villain. But well, like, turning heel. heel? Why the heel? Turn, I don't know the exact Achilles, origin. Achilles was Achilles the original heel. villain with when he shot? The well, isn't isn't the Achilles heel like your number one weakness? Like you know the Achilles, and that was his it was weakness. It was Achilles' number one weakness. Which, to yeah. be honest with you, you know they weren't creating the ultimate god. Why yeah, not just fix the heel. I don't know. No, well, it's 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 called the heel turn because it's when you you're a good guy and you turn bad. Like you know, it's the the good side to the dark side. You know, and uh, you know face turn if you're going the other way. So that's the the way to kind of sum it up there. So oh, well, welcome. So there's Nick, the, Nick, the binary. Nick, it, it, it comes from Spanish slang referring to a contemptible person. Really? Yeah. I like yes. that. Wow. In yeah. Contemptible Libre, person. It's a rudo. Really? In contemptible person uh, in Spanish, my understanding is they are an hijo de puta, but that's another thing. Look, Neil Simon says, uh, watching from the Emirates Stadium tour, this is the levels we go to natural curriculum. Well done. You know, I love international viewers. Wherever you are on holiday, uh, I want you to tune in to TNC just like I will be doing in the next three weeks. I do apologize. I will be in multiple parts of Europe, but I will try and tune in for at least a few minutes every week. Um, uh, Joseph... Cherocone, is that what we're going Cher- with? Cherocon? Cherocone. 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 Joseph Cherocone says, losing touch with the common man here, Nick. Oh, my friend. My friend, I wish I could lose touch with the common can- man. I've been trying to lose touch for years. Can, can I have a, a, a shout out to Joseph? Yeah. Because the effort he went to for oh. the Balotelli comparisons oh, during the week were just yeah. sensational. Like, yeah. genuinely, like, that warms my heart that TNC is having that impact and you guys are enjoying our content that much that you're, you're going to those levels to, to back up your argument. That's what we want. We want to set the discourse. So when you see your friends, you say, yeah, well, you know what? Balotelli's a nine. And then you get in an argument like Joey and I get into an argument and it becomes contagious. And there you know, TNC is a hive mind. It just, it spreads. He's also not a nine to anybody that's name doesn't end in a vowel. <laughs> Uh, Joseph, you were our, and not Joey Lynch, Joseph Ciccone, uh, you were our, uh, you're our viewer of the week because you fought the good TNC fight, all right? You were, you were in doing vain, your own but research. he fought it. In vain, yeah, look, doesn't matter. If you disagree with us, I don't care. But if you, if you keep spreading the, the TNC, you know, universe out to the world, I really appreciate that. I think that that's amazing. I love when people are now using, people are commenting on the Wanderers like signing Bazanic and saying like, this proves nothing, UFO emojis. That's incredible. I love that these stupid things that we say and the smart things we say, because we, we do combine the both. I love that they're spreading out into the, they, I saw someone uh, on Reddit called, they go, the Newcastle Jets were box office this, or they just called them the box office Newcastle Jets. TNC, baby. That's a TNCism. Hey. How about Optus, 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 Optus as well on their socials? But they, uh, they, they set up the Sydney FC. 
which is yeah. Which... But anyway, we, we should probably get to this signing that we're all talking about. <laughs> Joey, Joey is the one who's hurrying us up. You know, okay, all right, all right. We'll we'll get we'll get quickly to it. Just a quick couple more comments. No, you kitchen, no party, as we've established. Uh, look, Ante will be back. He's not gone forever. I've spoken to the aliens, and then they're, they're going to let us loan him for at least one or two episodes. We just don't know exactly uh, when. Torres said, "I heard Ante brought a secondhand microwave." Not losing touch with the common man. Um, it, there's so many comments coming in. Uh, Heel is rem for turncoat, blagged, etc. Uh, and then look, I'll be honest with you, the, the comments aren't making a lot of sense to me tonight. Croft did play for Ajax and Feyenoord, so Matt, don't know what you're talking about, Edmund. Well, what, um, what, what are we talking about? Is this the, the Dutch football? <laughs> cur- well, hey, the Dutch football curriculum shaped the Australian football curriculum. So hey, we need to have our yeah. shout out to our overlords over in uh, over in Holland. And look, I'll be honest with you, as a massive Barca fan and a big Cruyffista, uh, you can bring up Cruyff any single time and I'll believe it's worthy. Uh, Lazar11 says, on a totally non-football topic, vamos, Kyrgios. That's hey. exactly right. That's exactly and right. Vamos Stan Sport, isn't that right, Nick Stoll? For, for, exactly. the, for the, the, the great quality that they produce for the, the Wimbledon uh, tournament. And also, you can watch it on Channel 9 if you don't have Stan Sport. But why would you not have Stan Sport? It's such a good product. The Champions League, all the stuff that I produce, amazing. Um Hey, we want to give a shout out to any long-time listeners, first-time commenters. Hello, TNC, long-time listener, first-time commenter, at OzKitNerd. You know who that is. That's yeah. the, the, the the famous Adrian from uh, the two games that we had yeah. over in Qatar. Well done, Adrian. Thank you so much for your yeah. service in Qatar. Thank you for joining in. Welcome. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, get us talking about uh, kits because tis the season. Uh, Joseph says, bonus point, my girlfriend now calls it Aliga. Yeah. Spread the, I, you know what? Someone said to me today, I was having a coffee with someone, and I was like, oh, what about this play? And they go, yeah, but NRI. It's all about NRI. And I go, NRI. This is <laughs> okay, this is okay. we've been going to almost 10 minutes. We should probably get to the high NRI signing with Western <laughs> Sydney Wanderers. But Jesse Jenkinson asks a good question. <laughs> I hope Nick is coping well after the Pucciarelli departure. We'll talk about it. We'll talk about it later, Jesse. Jesse, we'll talk about later. Yeah. Stephen Paletti, they say, can confirm it's flooding all over Sydney. I'm in Camden at work and delivering pizzas is a pain with all these roads. Man, who's ordering pizzas when it's flooding? Well, where are you going to go, Stoll? You need to order pizzas, man. Like, yeah, you know what? You know what? I had a pizza last night. You know, I had a pizza last night and I went and picked it up myself because I'm a hero. But you know what? If Stephen Paletti does deliver to you in the Camden area, big tip for my man, Stephen. Uh, they, Stephen. Uh, and have a great time. <laughs> Okay, Milos Ninkovic, please. Ninkovic, Milos Ninkovic. No, no, Nick. Milos Ninkovic. This is a two-hour show. Milos, and it Milos. goes later. Milos to the Wanderers. Good or bad move? Is he a still Sydney FC hero? So we put a poll out uh, on our Twitter account, if you're not on our Twitter account, and we asked the following. I'm going to share my screen so everyone can see it if you're watching. If you're just listening, all good. Uh, basically, I wanted to know. Is it a good move for Milosh and Western Sydney Wanderers? Is it a good move for just Milosh and not for the Western Sydney Wanderers? Is it a bad move for Milosh and good for the Western Sydney Wanderers? Or is it bad for both? Joey, your thoughts. Um, Initially, it looks to be, I'm going to say it's a good move for Milosh Ninkovic going off his own um, criteria that he has apparently. So I imagine the people saying, bad for Milos Ninkovic. Um, I was saying it's bad given the effect that this will have on his legacy. Um, I imagine he has considered that in departing Sydney FC. Ains said, I don't that, care. <laughs> yes. It, well, I wouldn't say he doesn't care. However, it is clearly a secondary consideration 
to other factors amongst his priorities. So I don't think you can say that this is a bad thing for Milos Ninkovic. He has gone out and found circumstances which he deems to be more conducive to what he wants from the remainder of his footballing career. Um, We can only imagine, well, he gave that interview in his native tongue. I think it was with Bosnian media, but in Serbian, um, he was talking about how they wanted me to get a visa and all that sort of stuff. And if I couldn't get a visa, um, they didn't want me to play. Apparently now this means that he's going to get paid um, without a visa. Um, There's been the talk that he's on more money now at the Western Sydney Wanderers than he will be on at Sydney FC. Can't confirm that. Um, So this in general, good move for Milos Ninkovic. Now, is it a good move for the Western Sydney Wanderers? Impossible to say, really, until the season starts. That's just the way that things go. And you, but you look at this from various factors. Is this a good move for boiling the piss? It is a fantastic move for boiling the piss. <laughs> you can talk about, you know, I can say, I'm not sure how much spice this will really only add to the yada, yada, yada. One only needs to look at the reaction of Sydney FC fans to this to see that, yes, this is going to add more venom to the Sydney FC versus Western Sydney Wanderers rivalry. I mean, as I have written in a Guardian Australia piece that will be coming out in the coming days, um, one has to imagine that with uh, early season derbies already an established trope in the Aliga, as I'll take that down so we don't Mike Wazowski, uh, Nick Dubano. Um I accidentally blocked him out with the uh, banner for all of those listening on to the podcast. Um, With early season derbies and established trope, I have to imagine we will be getting Sydney FC versus Western Sydney Wanderers very early in the season. Potentially the first home Aliga game Sydney FC plays in their Spiffy Newsett Stadium could have Milos Ninkovic in the opposition. So that is very spicy. It boils the piss fantastically. Is this a good move football-wise? We don't know. We cannot know until we see exactly what he contributes to this team, what Western Sydney Wanderers accomplish this coming season, and just how much he contributes to that. He's still... Milos Ninkovic's legs have been gone for years. I think that's... I doubt many people would argue with me on that front. He's he's cooked physically, but his brain is so good. It doesn't matter. Mm. So it's not that it doesn't matter. It It matters way less. It matters way less because his brain is so good. The brain is the quickest muscle. Um, So he can still contribute. It's just, it it really becomes a question of just how much can his body break down and get slower before his brain can't make up that shortfall. um, And especially for the money that he is on, which we can't know, Um, you know, that will maybe come out. So that is the big thing. Like from a pure football's perspective, Milos Ninkovic is not washed. Like he, as long as his brain got works, a bit of water on him, he's got a bit of water on him. As long as Milos Ninkovic's brain works, he uh, can't be washed. Like it's not a case of Newcastle no, Jets new signing Trent Bahaja, his pace goes, and that's it. Like I, it's just a question of how long can his brain mask all the other shortcomings and. Do the Wanderers succeed in this? Because I think 
I'll just say it now. I'm going to say it through every season preview. Western Sydney Wanderers have lost the benefit of the doubt when it comes to rebuilds. I'm tipping them to miss finals until they actually make one. All right, Debana, I'm going to come to you in a second because I know you've got a good point. And I want to know from everyone watching, if you're a Sydney FC fan, let us know. Is Milos Nikovic still a hero to you? Uh, if you're a Western Sydney Wanderers fan, let us know if you're excited by this move. Um, but if you were watching on May 1st, TNC, you may have heard uh, Ante Jukic say the following in relation to Milos Nikovic. Lawrence Thomas big, big the... news, by the way. Sorry. Big, 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 big news. I'm not ready to drop the TNC exclusively, exclusive yet, but uh, Lawrence Thomas is just one signing that has been already um, has already been mooted. And this is this is what I mean with respect to where they're going next season. Like, I don't think the Wanderers fans are going to be happy with it. Well, can you at least give us a hint? No. <laughs> No. All right. It'll be a huge signing. It was a pretty massive signing. And I will say, as you can see on our Twitter poll, uh, you know, the early results, actually, I'm a bit surprised. People are saying good for Milosh, bad for Western Sydney Wanderers is leading the way. So kind of as you were saying, Joey, like, you know, I guess he's looked after himself, but uh, maybe people are concerned that at 37 years of age, he might be past his best. Nick DeBarno, your thoughts on this move? Where do you sit in kind of those four options? Look, I think uh, there's no doubt that he's past his best. I mean, how rare is it that a player at 37 years of age is still at their best? I mean, mm. in any sport, in, in unless you're literally LeBron James, who is just a freak, right? Or you're Michael Jordan from in the 90s. Like, of course, you're going to still be like that good. But I think... For him personally, it's a good move because, I mean, it sets him up. Like, you think about it, like, he still gets to play. Um, and, you know, I think the whole situation with Sydney is a little bit murky, you know, just how it's all gone down, you know, especially coming out with the interview and, and, and everything else. And the situation around, like, literally, you got to become a citizen if you want to stick around. And that leaves, I think, a little bit of a bad taste, like sort of holding someone to ransom, if that's the right word to use. Do you th- uh, do we think that's true, though? Well, we, we, well, we're just using what Ninkovic has said. Mm. Like we're we're we're, we're paraphrasing, like we're the paraphrasing, but we're quoting him. Like that's what has come but, out of it. I mean, Hang the on. thing is, just quickly, Ante yeah. was talking about this two months ago. Hinting maybe at that they had, maybe they had the conversation two months ago. Maybe, maybe, maybe. But I, I think... it, just, it doesn't seem like this came out of, you know, I was all happy at Sydney and then in the last two weeks something's gone wrong. This feels like it's been in the works yeah. for a long time. I I think for me, uh, when I look at this from a, a Western Sydney Wanderers point of view, though, like it all depends when it comes to utilisation. Like, is he going to be expected to be the guy? Like, is he going to be the guy that they give the keys to and they build around, which I think... Again, it's this same, same, you know, path that the Wanderers have taken for the best part of five years since I've made finals. Just sign established veterans and just go for it. We want to win now. We need to win now. We're getting sick of, we don't want to rebuild. It's this vicious cycle that they always go through. Um, I mean, in terms of someone to keep around, Joey, you're right. Like brain wise, he's definitely not washed. He's got a, arguably the best football brain out of, out of anyone in the A-League, probably up there with someone like Alessandro Diamanti. I mean, it's another example of someone who's got such a good football brain, but the legs, I mean, Diamanti's legs is, Joey, I, 
I disagree with you. Diamante's got a sensational football brain. Um, oh, what a surprise. Terms- Nick says that the Italian is better than the other bloke. <laughs> <laughs> I never said that he's better. I just said he's got a sensational football brain, which is completely fair enough. All right, like, come on, Joey, stop, stop with your anti-Italian discrimination. Um, anyways, uh, it, what what I was saying is like, sure, like when he's out there, he can he can play football. Like he's got the brain. He can he he's a smart footballer. Like you can see, footballers are not going to do as much sort of extra running and all that sort of stuff and take care of their body. But if he's trusted to be the guy in Western Sydney, you're expecting him to play like he did when he was at Sydney, you know, in the the peak years of Milos Ninkovic, then I don't know. And it depends who they're going to sign in around him. Like if they're going to play a certain, we don't know what the system's going to be next year. I can only assume that it'll be similar to last season. Um, you know, what scope does he have? Like, I, I don't know. I, I think just in terms of narrative though, that's the one thing that excites me. That's, that's mm-hmm. it. You know, Joey, some up boiling the piss and we love to, we love it when people boil the piss. Like it's, it's going to be, it's going to be fun. It's going to be great seeing it when the first Sydney Derby happens. Like people are going to want to see, um, I guess watch it from a from a neutral point of view. Whether you're interstate, more neutrals might actually go to the game. I mean, if it's at the SFS as well, it's going to be bonkers. Hopefully, a really good turnout as well. Hopefully, we get some of the theatre goers going and getting back. Um, so, you know, I think it's good narrative wise. But whether it's actually going to move the needle for Western Sydney, I have my qualms. So I actually Hold on. I just think... want to address Edmund's comment. Oh no, yeah. not. Uh, sure. Uh, um, are you sure Ante wasn't talking about Oli Bozanic? I can assure you that Ante wouldn't call Oli Bozanic a huge signing. <laughs> That's true. If I can assure knows you Ante, he would not. Yes, Ante would not call Oli Bozanic a huge signing. Uh, unless, unless he was saying it was a huge signing, because he's literally like returned from being abducted from aliens. So it's no, like he was not big... talking about Oli Bozanic. I am <laughs> taking the piss. If, I am if taking Bozanic. Was... <laughs> If Pazanic was it, he would have said, "Wow, what a signing!" That's how he. Yeah, yeah. Said. yeah. Uh, Toro says, uh, "Toro says I don't see the point in the signing." Uh, so that's interesting. Uh, he he Edmund... can do a job for Western Sydney Wanderers. I mean, yeah, and can boil the piss. Uh, Edmund Al Young but, says, but "Like, it, no, it's important to reinforce here on the footballing side of things because ostensibly this is a serious mm. football show. He can do a job still." at a league men level. I think that's, you know, just because he's, you know, olds and all of that sort of stuff, he does still bring a presence to a football pitch that demands oppositions take him into account. He still has a sense of gravity. He knows when to, where to go to force defenses to take into account his positioning. And that opens up opportunities for others, or they just don't go to him because his legs are gone. And then they find him. He still he can still contribute at a football level. Of twenty five games uh, last season that Sydney FC played in the A League, he started seventeen of them, and he was in the squad for twenty two of them. Uh, so he actually only missed four games completely. So you know that's decent uh, for sure. Uh, Edmund A. Young asks, "Who will Ninko job share with at the Wanderers?" Uh, we have noticed they haven't also signed Max Burgess as part of that job sharing deal. So is, is there is there a young, exciting attacking midfielder? Lapane or Carluccio? They're, or... they're trying to re-sign Troisi according to one of their releases. Yeah, just, right. well, wow, what a signing. Um, <laughs> Lazar 11 says, good move for the bets. I mean, I, th- I think it is. You know, it is. But the thing is, you're saying, uh, Dubano, about like the theatre goes, I just think actually Ninkovic, as good as he's been all these years, I don't think he gets huge NRI with No, no, it, no but it's a narrative. 
it's a it's yeah, a narrative right. that you can and it, and it's important to put out that narratives it, it just because the the players inside it don't have big nri just the themes of the narrative betrayal jilted lovers all of that mm. sort of stuff at a base level these are narratives which appeal to the public so if you're able to market the storylines correctly, at least for the first few occasions, it shouldn't matter that Milos Ninkovic maybe doesn't have big NRI in the public because at a base level, you can write a story there which gets to the heart of, you know, tropes and storylines which mm. the general public will connect with. You, you don't sell it as a football match. You sell it as, you know, betrayal, um, the favorite, the prodigal son, that sort of thing. It's what you're, doing, you're getting a preview no. of Joey pitching his editor, and this is how he gets so many stories Joey, in the Guardian. And Joey, Joey, the Joey, the wrestling fan, just completely coming narrative. to the fore here, like you know, talking about narrative and storyline. I love it. Um, just, I mean, I was thinking about Shakespeare, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, well, well, well. Okay. I mean, half of wrestling storylines yeah. probably have some sort of Shakespearean yeah. element to it. Um, just a question that I want to put to you guys. Do the A-League or the APL schedule this for round one, do you reckon? Or would you hold off and maybe go round one? Because, I mean, round one, it's going to it's gonna sell, you'd think, either way. Like, you'd hope that Sydney maybe against Melbourne Victory or someone else, like just the, the thrill of being SFS, the new SFS might get some more people in. Or do you go right off the bat, Sydney Derby, SFS? Personally, I wait. I reckon th- this has got its own juice. I'd be interested to see what they do. But I think... First derby at the SFS, let the teams kind of find their rhythm a bit for a better game. I reckon have it for round five or something like that. Um, but also maybe just look at the schedule and look at when you're best likely to get the best kind of free run and, and whatever else. So I don't know. Because you've got to take into account that they're breaking for the World Cup. Mm. So you've yeah. got to get it in and you've got to get the sugar. That's true. Before you want to get it before. And you've got to, like, if you're hoping people stick before around. Before it gets injured. You, yeah, yeah, you've got to get it in early before they break for the World Cup. You want to get them in early. You want to hook them, have them watch a few more rounds, and then they break for the World Cup and then hope that they come back after the World Cup. Um, uh, Vasily Sass, when is that new Sydney Stadium going to be ready? Uh, well, the November. Soon. Yeah. November. I believe November. No, so I think, October. I think, I think before, before that. No, it's before Yeah, the, the Matildas are playing the Canada game there. Yeah, November, no? No, it's the second of second of September. Yeah, second of September. Sorry, that's my bad. September. Oh yeah. So October. the Sydney resident doesn't know when his new stadium's opening, but the two more millennials do. It's so close to my house. <laughs> I can't wait to go. Uh, Ivan Stragan says Nikovic to Western Sydney Wanderers is like Schmeichel to Man City 2.0. That Gary Neville moment in the tunnel. I get what you mean, but it's not because it's direct. It's actually kind of more Luis Figo from Barca to Real Madrid. And Luis Figo was one of the best players in Barca's history up until that point. And then the second he went to Real Madrid, snake, he got the pig's head. He's dead to us. So I wonder I wonder how Sydney FC fans are going to react is, because he's their best player ever. Is uh, Look, this isn't best ever levels, but just talk about yeah. betrayals. Is this yeah. going to be like petty... Chalonoglu to into levels that if you know uh, Sydney right. FC have a really good season and then we're going to see Ninkovic posting photos like before the derby of like an edit of him in a Sydney FC jersey and him in a Wanderers jersey like playing against each other and then what? he's going to come out on Italian radio or Australian radio and say 
well, you know, me and such and such were best friends, but now, you know, they, I live rent-free in his head and they're like, you know, they were lucky to win the title. I, I don't think Nikovic is going to do anything like that. Question, just question. No, well, let me just say this because I looked this up for my Guardian piece, but I couldn't get it past my editor. But. You can buy a pig's head in a Sydney butcher for around the tenner. Oh, do it. Do it. Do it. Sydney FC fans, please. All right. I would not usually encourage objects being thrown onto the field, but get, everyone get pig's heads. Where the hell do you buy a pig? Why the hell do you, where the hell do you buy a pig's head? Artie's butcher. butcher. Artie's you butcher. Make them, like, you make stocks or soups with them, Nick. Sydney FC fans. Only buy like carcasses. From Central Station, yeah, from Central Station, you, you need can walk to carcasses. the new SFS. You can walk to the newest fest. There's a brilliant butcher, this Turkish guy, Artie. It's the best butcher in all of Sydney. He can he can look after you, my friend. But anyway, I just want I just want to know: uh, Is he going to be booed when he goes and plays? Oh, he's going to be booed. He's going to be he's a thousand percent going to be booed. Thousand percent? Yeah. If he'd signed with anyone else, he wouldn't have been booed. Well, it's if he'd FC signed with Victory, he, if he'd signed with there were only two clubs he could have gone to that would have got him booed: Victory or Western Sydney. Okay, booed. Is there any is there any respectful applause? No, no. Is is there gonna... shouldn't be? Show there some spine, be. Sydney FC no. fans, and no. boo the shit out of him, and no, get a I pig's think, head. I think I think there'll be like a, a not a fifty fifty, but I reckon there'll be like an eighty twenty. There'll be your twenty percent of Sydney fans that'll be like, you know what? I recognise him for he did at Sydney. I'm gonna clap, and you'll see them All come Serbians. out on Twitter and say, and be like, guys, why are we booing him? He's a club legend and everything like that. You know, now that's but... for the third. That's for the second or the third derby, not the first mm. derby. Show some spine, Sydney well, fans. I don't, think also... he'll, I don't. I don't. I don't think he will celebrate though if he scores. He will not celebrate. That's one thing. Oh no, he won't. You know what, Milos? Anyway. Here's my here's my advice. I reckon you ham it up before the derby. You talk all kinds of smack, and then you score, and then you celebrate. You kiss the Wanderers badge, and then Sydney FC fans, you throw the pigs' heads. This is what football needs to be, people. Blake Hampton says Milos walked so Max Burgess could run. That was often the uh, you. Know, That's literally yes. Um, the Homer legend, uh, one of our most f- prolific commenters, says, "I'd like to see round one at the new Allianz be Sydney versus Victory, then Sydney W round three. Not a bad shout, also because the very first game that Sydney FC played at Allianz Stadium back in the day was Sydney FC versus Melbourne Victory. So it'd be a nice little call back, or maybe is it Sydney Macarthur and that Del Piero, uh, Del Piero, the Dwight York uh, element? Uh, Vasilis says he's in Del Piero time now. Um, the Homer Legend has even, a, or even better, Sydney versus Macarthur round one. Dwight York homecoming at Sydney FC, then Sydney Derby round three. The Homer Legend, mate. APL that needs to call you up. You can do their scheduling for them. Um, Edmund, our young ass, did Ninko even start 50% yes. of Sydney FC games last year? We yeah. said that. Yep. Um, and oh, there's so many comments coming in. Artie the Butcher rocks up, but 500 pig's heads for the Cope. Yeah, I think so. I don't know. Maybe more butchers should uh, get involved. Blake Hampton, pig's heads, the same price as lettuce. What a time to be alive. Amazing. Comment of the day so far. Um, uh Jack Pantelius makes a good point in regards to Bazanic. Um, no one has publicly cited Bazanic yet, so let's not get too. He had an away. announcement video with Western Sydney Wanderers. Yeah, but you know CGI these days, Joe. Yeah, exactly, mate. Yeah, they, there's, okay, there's deep we, fakes. We should, we should get back onto serious points because poor Taryn's been waiting for All us. Right, no, we, will, we will in a minute, Taryn. I just want to say, uh, Adrian, the the expert on kits, Sydney FC fans be throwing away their Ninko kits. What do you guys think? Are we going to see a burning? Are we going to see a kit oh, Le- Are we no, going to no, see no, no, like no. A, a, a Cleveland when LeBron went to Miami? Yeah. And they're just going to go on the street and just burn his jerseys? <laughs> you, no, you hold on to them because in the event that Ninkovic crashes and burns as a Western Sydney Wanderer, 
they fall apart as a club with him there. You do, you wear that because not only is it a reminder of all the good times you had with him, it's also now a reminder of Western Sydney Wanderers stole him and couldn't do anything with well, him, and it destroyed. And it it was a disaster. If he disaster, if he does badly, <laughs> everyone will say Ninkovic, our oh, secret agent, our oh, Ninkovic, what a Sydney FC legend. He went there and stuffed it up. Um, exactly. And as it. As our friend uh, the Brain Thinker said on Twitter, he replied, "Good for Milos and should be good for Western Sydney Wanderers. But if any club can bec- can make Ninkovic worse or become worse with Ninkovic, we can, we can." And he's got the uh, the Homer Simpson, the Stone Cutter. We can, we can. Um, look, loyalty versus betrayal. Paolo Retro v Ninkovic. Talk about narratives. Jack Pantelius oh, is all Jesus. over it. Um, Edmund, now young, Western Sydney Wanderers is the new Sydney FC with its quota of old players, Ninko, Oli, Rodwell, and Troisi. I think they're still unconfirmed. They're trying to resign. Back. Yeah. Um, and look, there's so many more comments. If you guys have seen any comments that you want me to bring up, uh, let me know. Um, Jack Bentelius, announcement video is nothing, Joey. We need physical proof. Let us know in the comments if you have seen Bazanic out in the flesh. Um, Nick. You know what you've done now. Some try-hard Sydney FC fans think they're an ultra. is going to actually go through this now. Man, it's a pig's head on the field. I mean, I'll probably collect them and eat them later. You know, you put those with a nice bit of olive oil. You make a salt, soup. You make a soup. It's delicious, especially if you get them from Artie's Butcher on uh, Crown Street. All right? I'm just going to give them oh, a hey. right. like, Are, are you been... trying to get a sponsor for us, though? If you are, sensational. But oh, look, the amount of money that I give Artie's Butchers every week. All right. The, the, don't worry. Uh, no. ESPN and Walt Disney, famous for their love of small business. Yeah, exactly. Um, hey, speaking of delicious things, uh, Stephen Paletti, they are delivering pizzas in Camden. Uh, Stephen, let us know if you want to put the name of the pizza shop in there, and then people who are watching can call and get deliveries, and they give right, you a tip. All right. If you don't want Let's... to do that, that's fine. Let's move on to the Matildas. Let's move on to the Matildas. Um, because we have a special guest, Taryn Hedo. Welcome to the show. Taryn, I want to know, Tony G, in or out? Let's just get into it. Go. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. Lovely to be here. Um... Very affectionate greeting. To <laughs> no, well, no, that, that's probably a rather large topic. So, I mean, we, let's take a step back and look at what's just happened right in front of us. The Matildas, they played uh, the Portuguese in the second friendly of their international window after being hammered by the Spanish. And from a results perspective... They managed to stem the bleeding. Uh, a 1 1 draw. Results-based uh, analysis. Yes, Nick Stoll. Uh, Princess Sabini uh, equalizing for the Matildas, scoring her first goal since the A League women's season. She uh, received a call up without scoring a single goal in the NPL New South Wales season, but she's on the score sheet for the Matildas. Great, you know, RBA analysis. Great for her. Um, first goal in a national team shirt. But before we get to the ramifications and the broader discussion around Gustafsson, Taryn, what did you think of the actual game itself? I'm thinking maybe that first half, that press from the Portuguese maybe gave us, gave us a few things to think about. Yeah, the game itself was um, the first 30 minutes we were all at sea. We were absolutely nowhere. And I think... Uh, I, I I love Katrina Gori at six, but it's not a solution for every game. And it's not a solution, I think, when teams are, are pressing us like that. Um, because she she just she didn't play very well. I think there was there was one probably the one of the better opportunities Portugal had was a misplaced pass by her, which hurts me to say. I don't like saying that. But it but it was. 
Um, and we we were just not able to play out at all. Like it was it was quite bad. But in situations like that, you know, generally they're not going to be able to do it for ninety minutes. So results based analysis, if you can hold on for those 30, 40 minutes. Um, I I think back to the A League Women's Grand Final. Um, I think Sydney kind of did that for sort of 60, 70 minutes and then weren't able to do it for the whole game. Um, and that's, you know, Portugal sort of dropped off and then um, we were able to rest some momentum back in the second half. Um, so that was fine. I, th- I think a draw was fine-ish. I'm, I'm glad we didn't win because I think it would have been not a fair reflection of the game and also insufferable how do we won <laughs> i just think because i mean course... the portuguese couldn't hit the broadside of a barn door in the yeah. opening half an hour could they no i mean exactly and that was the thing like they had all of the opportunities the there was the one the worst one was like on the stroke of half time where she was had an open net directly in like one meter from the goal and somehow you know it looked harder to miss than to score um so yes if portugal had their shooting boots on it would have been a very different result but in terms of performance, yes, it was better. It was it was a better performance in the second half, not the first half. But at least we learned something from the first half. We learned that we need to deal with the press better and probably not have Gori as the deepest midfielder in that situation and et cetera. But, um, yeah. We're doing a lot of learning. We're not doing so much well yeah i think 16 months of lessons uh it's important to note i think when you're talking about the katrina gory being deep pressed when she is being pressed hard as the six like that what becomes really important is that the midfielders in front of her show for the ball and we've 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 established that that's not really the strength of a lot of the matildas midfielders and forwards they'd much rather be playing on the shoulder and you know must run fast and get onto balls in behind rather than show for the ball to feet so you know i think it's much more systemic than not not to try to attack you Taryn, or anything but just to build <laughs> on your point more i so i would say it's not just that gory can't play under a press i think she's capable of doing it but she needs help she can't yeah. you know she's not you know, the Messiah. Um, she's just a very good midfielder, um, to paraphrase Monty Python. So she does need players showing for the ball and helping her out and release valves and all of that sort of thing, which I saw. And I, I also think it was, I thought it was quite noticeable that even after um, the Portuguese press eased off, I think there was, well, I think they went down another gear when um, Jessica Silva went off early in the second half, about nine minutes in. I think that sort of like, cause she got the knock and then immediately got and take, got taken off. And I sort of think that went through the heads. Oh wait, we've got a European championships coming up. Everybody calm your farm. Nobody else get hurt. So we also saw a bit of an easing off on that front, but I would concur with you, Taryn, in the sense that this game wasn't a complete waste. Like it was, um, the Spain game where the players, I think we said on the show last week, they were just set up to fail and they had no hope um, of you know doing anything of value, basically, and you can't blame them for that. Still, however, moving forward, I, I, this window will become a footnote at best. I think I can't, like, what did we like? What did we learn in this series that we didn't already know coming in? We already knew Gori was good. Probably already knew that Tegan Micah was the number two 
to Lydia Williams as the number one. All right. Charlotte Grant, maybe we've had that now reinforced in the absence of Ellie Carpenter, that she's the go-to now at right back. I'm not sure why we experimented with Charlotte Grant in the centre of defence, given that she's never played that position, as far as I can tell, at club level. Um, but, you know, so her on the right side um, of defence side like that. Emily Gilnick, you know, can do some nice things, but how often is Emily Gelnick going to play when all the players come back? So it's sort of, it, it It just comes back to me again, that this entire window presents as a missed opportunity undone by a lack of forward planning. You know, I don't take issue with the stars being rested. If in the name of load management, when they genuinely need it, I take issue with why wasn't there a long-term plan to make sure they didn't need it right now. Um, yeah. I mean, did you think, do you think we learned anything new in this series, Taryn? I, I I think if hmm, it, it's 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 backwards, right? Because in my head, I'm kind of like, well, if we'd have played Portugal and then um, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like an equivalent team off the top of my head, and I'm failing. Um, Portugal and equivalent in in Europe, um, and with a kind of uh, with the with the squad that we had, you can learn something from from that maybe, but then that's counteracted by the fact that a lot of these players are Australian based. And so you're flying them from Australia to Europe. It, it sort of seems backwards um, as we talked about last week. Um, whereas in the, in the previous window, it was we're flying everyone back from Europe. Uh, this window, we're flying everyone from Australia to Europe to play these games. Um, obviously the, the, the Portugal game you can, you know, is probably more the level Um but of course, in in bringing all of these players in, um, there you know there was a there was a fair amount of of criticism heaped on that, which I think Joey wants to make a point on now. Yeah, well, I just I was going to just build on the point that you made, Taryn. But like you talk about the players um, being brought in um, from their domestic seasons, Taylor Ray has unfortunately suffered an ACL injury during camp. That is her third ACL injury in what is an incredibly young career. I think she's 21, 20, 21 years of age. So to have three ACLs go before that. Um, and of course, at the time, you're just thinking they're sitting in shock. Um, but uh, her coach at an A-League women level, uh, Ante Juric, a former Matildas assistant coach, also spent some time uh, in the technical. Ante Jukic, just by the way. Yes, well, he's come out and really unloaded on it. Um, and he's on the record in the Sydney Morning Herald asking, we need to minimise any risk, not maximise any injury risk. We would only do jogging or light training after travel. We wouldn't have a full session like I heard that was. He's referring to the fact that it appears that Taylor Ray has injured her ACL after an hours-long bus ride from Spain to Port to Portugal and training that night. Um, he can goes just, on to... So he just, I just defend I'll, the bus? Oh, you go, but I'm going to defend the bus ride. Okay. Well, he then says, a lot of these girls had an A-League season straight into NPL season. They haven't had a break. The welfare thing, he says, referencing the decision to rest the stars being uh, under the guise of welfare. I don't know. It sounds, it just sounds like a word they use. Did anyone contact NPL clubs in regards to their training loads? 
were their loads sent out, games played, intensity level of trainings. Um, and I should point out here that Football Australia has strongly denied the claims of Ante Juric, um, has said that they screened players uh, from their arrival into camp and said that uh, players were given scope to uh, stretch their legs during the four-hour bus ride um, and that the decision was made to train that night so players could get a proper night's sleep in the name of rest and recovery. So on the bus ride, they were in Huelva in Spain, which is right on the Portuguese border, and it's about a three-hour drive from Huelva to Lisbon where they play. Well, the four, they've said it was a four-hour drive, Football Australia. Okay, four-hour drive. They hit some traffic. They went the wrong way. They were playing in the north. All good. Everyone's got to stop for a pee break. We get it. Well, it's a four-hour drive. It's not that bad. Four hours in a car, in a in a thing. You're not 16, right? The other thing is if – what other options did they have? There's no train that goes directly from Guelva to Lisbon. They could have gone back to Seville, which is another hour the opposite way. Then you get on a plane from Seville to Lisbon, which I'm not even sure is a direct flight. So you might have had to go Seville, Madrid. I'm just planning my European trip at the moment. So I, I'm well aware <laughs> of the best ways to get around. I, I, I don't think the issue is the with the – I don't think the issue is them taking a bus. I think the issue that Ante Juric is taking is that they trained straight, well, the evening after the bus ride rather than waiting until the next morning. Yeah, it was fair enough. That's right. But the issue is the coach. Let's get on to the coach. All right. (laughs) That's what everyone wants to talk about. No, but you you do need to go back to this point, Nick, because it does say something. Ante Juric's point surrounding the welfare thing is a salient one, I think, and it is something that is needs to be reinforced and asked out of this, that the players were rested, um, the, the stars were rested under the guise of player welfare and looking after their needs, and now we have a terrible... See, I must have upset Nick DeBarno, he's dropped out, um, or somebody turned on the microwave. Um, but now we have a situation wherein a young midfielder has undergone the terrible thing, third ACL, she might never be the same again. So these questions have absolutely have to be asked mm. uh, um, um, young players might never might never be the same again like we need to ask these questions if there's concerns if there's a player centricity and the concerns for welfare is so bad what happened now football australia have come out and said these things and it just might be a case of really unlucky however it's incumbent that we ask these questions and we bring attention to them um to make sure that they don't happen again that's true that is very true. It's a very good point. Okay, now we can get on to Tony Gustafsson. Now, there's a bigger question we need to ask. The Homer legend, what I learned. I get Carl Robinson vibes off uh, Gus now. He's talking about Gustafsson. A good talker, a nice guy, but simply not delivering uh, the results. All right, we did a poll on our um, Twitter page, and feel free to go there and vote. But basically, we asked uh, on last week's kind of discussion, um, what should Football Australia do with Tony Gustafsson? Keep until the 2023 World Cup. That's on 28% or 29%. Sack, 54.4%. Decide after the Canada match, which is in uh, September, 12.3%. Other comment and uh, the people have commented, and we'll get to that in a minute. But what I want to know from you guys, last week I said it, I went on and was just like, look, I don't know why we're keeping this guy. How, like, what, what are we actually doing here? Uh, have any of you, n- none of you were keen to sack last week. Has anyone changed their mind? I just want to say one thing about that third point. Yeah. Like, why would you decide after the Canada match? If you're going to sack him then, it's going to be even worse than sacking him now. Like, it's just two months closer. It's two months, you know, less preparation for whoever else comes in. I'm still in the boat of keep him until 2023, just because 
you know, the fact is you got, you just have to see it through now. Like you, you've, you've got this guy in, that's your doing. You got to back it all the way through. I know it could be completely stolen. I know we spoke about bed making last week and, and all that sort of stuff. And you were completely on the other side, but football Australia have made their bed. And I, I'm, I'm sticking by that point. But if you're going to sack him in a hypothetical world, you're not sacking him after the Canada match. Cause that would just be, no, nah, you, you can't. It's it's too soon. It's way too soon. You got to do it now, or you should have done it back at the Asian Cup after that. Here, you know what? Here's a, just generally, I think with national teams, you should always have a kind of second coach ready to go, and usually that coach should be your under twenty coach, right? Your under twenties coach, your under twenty three coach, however, however the youth team is set up, is basically you should be, you know giving them the tools that we need. You're going to be the next in line. You're the next one to step up. Presumably you're going to do well with the under 23s. And as the under 23s get older, you're going to go with them or the under 20s or the under 17s, however you want to do it. So that's how you think how usually kind of succession planning should be happening uh, with the national teams. Now we don't have that at the moment, but the kind of the big remit of the Gustafsson era was he came in and it was like, okay, well he's been in charge 16 months. The performances have not been good. The results have not been good. The has he, you know, developed a whole bunch of young players, and you know we're going to have this whole new eleven from what we had in 2019. The only player that is now regularly in the starting eleven, the first eleven, Mary Fowler. Is there anyone else regularly starting eleven? That's it. So Mary Fowler. Mm-hmm. So he hasn't. He may. He maybe he's given debuts to lots of uh, players, which is great, but they actually have not been put into regular spots in the starting 11. This is essentially the 2023 team at the moment is essentially the 2019 team with Mary Fowler pretty much. So then you've got to ask yourself, okay, it hasn't gone well. And and there are valid reasons why, you know, uh, he, he, uh, I don't know, COVID, he was away, whatever the excuses have been, they, they are understandable to a point, but also we've got to remember, this is the first time this guy has coached at the international level, right? He's learning. Role. In a senior role, he is learning on the job. All right. Are we willing to risk our best ever and the most important World Cup we're going to have in, you know, at least at this stage, probably ever in our lives, on this guy who is learning on the job, who is having his first ever international senior football coaching role? Because, and by the way, if he was killing, if you know, if all the jobs he's had before, oh my god, this guy's amazing, you know, this guy does incredible stuff, da, 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 da. we just need to wait for his magic to kick in, you know. But no, there is no magic. So, what are we waiting for? 56% of people are right, let's sack this guy. Thoughts? Well, I mean, Taryn, like, do you think, like, for me, and I'd be interested to get your thoughts on it, Taryn. Not me. <laughs> well, we just had your thoughts. Um, well, because I, I, I'm keen I'm a legend, to. Says so. <laughs> I'm keen to have the two Nicks and Taryn lead this conversation because I have a giant piece expressing my views in um, ESPN that went up this week. So, I mean, Taryn Gustafsson, is he doing a good job, or is he is he doing a good enough job, even taking into account the circumstances? No. I think my my big resistance to this and even even after the Asia Cup, my, my big resistance to this was who comes in, who makes yeah. it better, who improves the system, who, you know, who does that? 
if Football Australia tomorrow said, right, we're sacking him, we're bringing this person in with with this plan and this backroom staff, I would say, great, awesome. I'd, I'd be fine. I'd be like, okay, cool. I don't think... <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just like inertia. Like maybe inertia is bad. Maybe doing nothing is bad. But I, I don't think that, that you know, if you were going to do it, it had to be done after the Asia Cup. And even then it had to be done with a, this is our plan. In my It's not, it's in my not too late, mate. You know what? This is like climate change, all right? People are like, it's too late now, all right? You know, we've gone too well, far. We well, needed Nick, to do Nick, it in Nick, the 90s. Who do, you br- who, who do you bring in, Nick? It, Montemura? For example, as an Does example, he want it? yeah, yeah, that's Does the thing. Does Montemurro want it? Of course, he wants a World Cup on home <laughs> soil. Come on, I mean, man. he probably would have wanted it when they were appointing the Matildas coach. But I mean, are we sure that Montemurro would now look at the current trajectory of the squad, the situation, and decide, yeah, give me some of that? I mean, he's you, coaching you know it. He's coaching you there at the moment. Like, why would you want to like I, 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 on a whip? You there? Cuts or you there? Stole. He's packed up his whole life. We're talking about critical of being co- of Tony G not living in Australia. The guy's packed up his whole life and just moved to Turin. You reckon he's going to move all the way back to Australia and coach Matildas on a, on the last G, minute thing? Tony G lives in, in Sweden. He can live in Turin if he really wants to stay because apparently yeah, but, that's not an issue. It should be an issue. But by the way, this is the other thing that annoys me a little bit is like at least if if Montemuro was kind of, and if we were saying yeah, Jeff Hopkins is another one, by the way, no, he, I don't no? think why not? Jeff would, I don't think Jeff would do it, man. What, since when did this become the poison chalice that no one wants to touch this? Well, for one thing, job. Jeff is Jeff is Welsh, so it's not like he can be recruited with patriotism. Well, and Gustavson, man, look, my, I, look I'm uh, listen, the Spanish I I coach, just, well, they're just doing like amazing. He, Anyone who's on, coached the Barca women's team in the last five years, boom, there you go, in. On Montemiro, I don't, like, I think one also needs to look at the lessons of history. It was just four, four and a bit years ago in which we had a, a national team boss decide not to take a national team to a World Cup. Like, it's not. You know, it's Someone not needs to out- offer Tony G a Yokohama <laughs> job so he gets out, all right? Yokohama, well, do us a favor, offer Tony G the role and he can get listen, it. Listen, like I, I will say, I will say, I want to say this and then I'll throw it over Taryn and maybe Taryn, you can take us through what you think Gustafsson needs to start doing soon to show signs that he's fixing it. But Tony Gustafsson is not doing a good job. Right now, you can talk about the broader context of women's football around the world, which you need to do. You can talk about the lack of depth in women's football here in Australia and the urgent need to for structural reform and take that into account. But even taking those things into account, the way this Matildas team has played under him has still not been up to snuff the actual thing on the dirt for 90 minutes hasn't been of the standard you would expect with the players he has had available because there's a lot of top end talent in there and there are other players that maybe they're not good international standards but they're at least signs that they should play better than even they do and there are others that 
maybe they're not up to standards, but he's made the decision to pick them and play them over other options. Thinking back to Jessica Nash, 17-year-old Jessica Nash, uh, starting over the likes of Emma Checker, Jenna McCormick um, against the United States. He made that decision to start Jessica Nash, who went back, couldn't break into the starting lineup for Sydney FC and has now left for Canberra United. Um, so those are the kinds of things. You can hold Tony Gustafsson to account and say that he's not doing a good job whilst taking into account everything else. And I think he absolutely hasn't done a good job. You can also, and Josh talked about this post-Asian Cup, and I, it frustrates me that we have to bring this up every time we talk about the national team. You can also judge Tony Gustafsson's performance and his viability for the role without comparing him to other coaches from the Matildas past. That ship yeah. has sailed. That, totally. it, it, like. That's just a culture war at this point. And I know the manner in which everything went down, you know, that's a, that's a topic of conversation that we, that can be explored and we can look into that. It's got nothing to do with the job performance of Tony Gustafsson. Tony Gustafsson was an assistant coach for the United States women's national team at the time. Like he is completely unrelated to how that saga went down. So comparing his performance to another coach from four years ago, when women's football has changed so much, it's not helpful. Like, like as I said in my ESPN piece, you don't need culture wars to bash Gustafsson over the head with. The football that he's coaching is good enough for that. Just bash him over the head with that. That's fine. Like, if I wasn't philosophically opposed to getting rid of coaches midstream, I'd probably be on the side of Nick Stoll. But my big thing is that I think, from what I'm hearing, Gustafsson will take this squad to the World Cup. I don't think Football Australia are going to sack him, regardless of any hypothetical a hypothetical question. We ask. He's going to take us to a round of 16 exit, is what he's going to take us to. Which isn't what we'll get to Brian's question after Taryn's talked about what needs to improve. We can get on um, what, act, what, is an, what, what should be a target for the Women's World Cup. But what I think the conversation... Doesn't even need to be the sole focus, but what I think people really need to start asking the question of is not just should Stone, Tony Gustafsson stay or should he go? Why is Tony Gustafsson the Matildas coach? Not not that culture war bullshit. What technical vision did he bring to Football Australia? Who judged that technical vision, and why was it deemed the best fit? for this Matilda side. Him and he and Graham Arnold have the two most important jobs in Australian football. They are not just the Matildas and Socceroos coaches. They are the ultimate realization of everything in the domestic game. Their vision is what Football Australia has determined to be the vision that represents who we are as a footballing nation. Their vision, the way they go about it, that is what they want that is what Football Australia has said. Yep, this is what we are going to send out to the world. This is what Australian football is. This is who we are. That needs to be the conversation surrounding all of this. It's never just about the national team coach. It is always about the processes around them. And but, that is what we also need to be talking about. It doesn't need to be the sole focus, but that also needs to be the conversation. It can't just be about Gustafsson as a coach. For sure. But even if Gustafsson was doing well, you've got to analyse... Why was he put in place? And yeah, absolutely. You know, what have like that was my point I think about football last Australia week. would be falling over themselves to tell us how he was put in yeah, place yeah, and so why absolutely. he was put in place if things were going well. But that was my point last week about how 
how did Spain get so good? They've been to two World Cups. They went out the group stage in 2015. We went to the quarterfinals. They went out the round of 16 in 2019. Now everyone's like, oh my God, Spain, how, how did we? Even Tony G came out and was like, guys, did you really think that we were going to beat this amazing Spanish team? I expected us to lose 15 mil. I think we did great. Mate, the question should be, forget Tony G for a second. How did Spain get so good in such a short period of time? And why why can't we replicate that? Just Nick a Tabano, quick comment. Then just a re- yeah, just a really quick comment on that. Um, you're coming out and saying expected to lose like 15 nil. I'm sorry. I'll, but... I'll say that. No, 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 no. no. I'll say, but like say expecting to lose 7 nil. He, he did say, you're I'm surprised. Expect- no, 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 so no, 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 no. But hang on, hear me out. I didn't get the finish point. But if you're saying you're expecting to lose a game 7 nil, like what kind of attitude is that going into any game? doesn't matter what coach you are. Like, I know it's so cliche expecting to win. Yeah, totally. But Jesus Christ, if you're expecting to lose 7-0, like, it's not like this is, you Real know. confidence booster for the Rezies, by the way. This isn't, I thought you guys would get smashed. This, Good luck. This isn't, you know, the a State League 5 team taking on Melbourne victory, for God's sake. Like, this is two teams that aren't separated by much on the world rankings. And I know that it was a B team. But you're expecting to lose 7-0. And you're coming out and saying that, like, to justify, oh, I, I, that's that that for me is bewildering. Like any Aaron, coach saying that. Sorry, go on, Tara. You're you're our appointed voice of reason. Say uh, say your thoughts. How, how how does this Matilda squad begin? Like hypothetical, Tony Gustafsson hangs around Taron. How does he fix it? I think like there's a lot of discussion. Okay, what is and what isn't the job of a national team coach? Um, it it, it is not the job of a national team coach to, to, you know, <laughs> conjure the resources of a club like Barcelona to create a youth system to produce players for the national team. Um, that's not, and, and, and to answer your question, Nick, that's how Spain got good. Uh, it's, totally. It's, it's, but but that's, to me, not, that's not a question for Tony. That's a question for Football Australia. And they yes, need to yes, say, yes. okay, if they can do it quickly, because this is the other thing is that for yeah. many, many years, it's not like Barca's been developing women players for female players for years and years and years. Uh, and, and, you know, this is just the latest in a crop. It's very short. It's been a very short time that they've actually cared. And now they're, uh, Puteas is amazing, incredible player. But it's not also Barca that's only the ones that produce it. Hermoso is not a Barcelona youth player. Puteas is, but Hermoso is, Hermoso is an incredible player. So to me, it's it's the coaching level in Spain at all levels is just far superior. And there's not Tony G, there's not national team. I'm talking about your regular under 12s coach in there is just at a high level than here. But we've, we've talked about this on the show before. This is a generational change that is going to take decades to properly fix. We need to fix. It was pretty quick in Spain. It was pretty quick in Spain. It was pretty, pretty, pretty quick in Spain because these coaches already exist in Spain. They just started sending them to the women's game. Exactly. One would argue that here in Australia, we need to actually create the coaches first before we can start sending them into the women's game. That's a longer process, but I mean, but but that's one thing to fix right now in the decades ahead. We need to fix this Matilda's team before 2023. Taryn, how do we do that? I mean, tangent, if you are a coach and you live in Melbourne and you want to coach women's state three, uh, we need one. So (laughs) the Yarra Jets, they have a fantastic Um, (laughs) podcast as well. Yarra Jets, state three coach, message me. Um, Get in contact. (laughs) <laughs> can vouch for the fact there are almost no coaches at, at that level. Anyway, um, 
Yes. What does what do we need to do? I mean, wh- so what is the job of a coach? Is I guess where where that was leading, and and the job of a coach is to is to set a vision, to 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 set your team, to create a style of play, um, to play in that way week in week out to see a, a tangible improvement. So I was thinking about this this Canada window that's coming up and. Looking at that Canadian national team, I would say we're not far apart in terms of talent. In terms of like talent on paper, you look at that Canada team and it is not dissimilar to the talent that we have at our disposal. Canada are Olympic gold medalists. And yeah, there was a lot of shithousery involved in in those wins and there was a lot of backs to the wall penalty nonsense that happened. They're Olympic gold medalists. And you know, do they have the, the are they do they have the talent of the best team in the world? No, but they're that way because they have played that way for a long time. They are coached really, really well, um, and they have created a system that works for them. At the moment, the way that we play football is not working the best that it can for us. And that's the job of a national team coach. So whatever that is, and, you know, he is, he sees more than us. Yeah, the the national team coaches, let's hope that they know what they're doing. Whatever that system is, it needs to start now and it needs to be consistent and it needs to be every single window and it needs to be the way that we're going to play in the World Cup to maximise our results. Because that's the job of a coach. It's <laughs> all of this talk about I'm giving debuts to players and I'm giving you, – you you can't – a national team coach who you're not seeing these players for 12 months of the year, you're seeing them for a few windows a year, you're, you can't develop players on your own. Your job is to create the system to maximise the potential of the team and that's what he needs to do. I think you've hit the absolute nail on the head there, Taryn, just both in terms of how we judge Gustafsson going forward and how we can judge his previous tenure. The job of the national team coach, does the coach make the sum, the players, the sum of the players operate at a, is he making the team operate greater than the sum of their parts, basically? I think his job as the national team coach, because he doesn't develop them. And what's the answer so far? Well, no, outside of maybe some flashes during the New Zealand series, this team hasn't operated as greater than the sum of their parts. Moving forward, he needs to demonstrate that if he's kept on, he needs to demonstrate that he can make this team operate at a level greater than the sum of its parts. So if we get to the Canada game, if we get to the Canada game and another disappointing performance and another disappointing result, is everyone going to say, too late, make your bed, lie in it? I mean, mate, I I was saying that I would say that the second he got hired, let him serve as an anchor around this team and this federation's neck. However, Football Australia, if I was to predict what Football Australia would do, I I don't think, like I said, I don't think they'll sack him. At this point, if if you're waiting until September before next year's World Cup, it's unless you have Montemuro or someone like that lined up, mm. you cannot sack him at that point and insert somebody else and have them set their system and familiarity and win over the dressing room in time. I agree at this point in the world cup. I agree at this point, you can't sack him without having a replacement lined up, but I would say get the replacement lined up 
ASAP. Uh, in terms of uh, what people are saying in the comments, uh, a lot of people are saying Emma Hayes. I don't think Emma Hayes is uh, going to leave Chelsea. She's doing an amazing job at Chelsea. She's killing it. And uh, Emma Hayes, correct me if I'm wrong, Taryn, I think you watch a bit more of the WSL than I do. Her system sort of relies a lot on the talent of their players. It's just yeah. sort of like you, you figure it out sort of thing. It's not so much that she makes the team operate it better than the sum of its parts. It's more so that the team's just really, really effing good. Oh, yeah. And you can prize the, the Chelsea coaching role out of her cold dead hands. Like, she's not leaving them. No way. Yeah. Um, friend of the show, Hiraldo, says, like I said on Twitter, it really should just come down to whether we can get Montemora in. Now, if not, may as well stay the course. You shouldn't sack coaches without a good replacement possible. I feel like we're all on that page. You shouldn't just sack out of nowhere. Um, I just think it's – I think if we were the – if we were in charge, all four of us in different ways, I think I would be reaching for the phone already and being like, Joe, mate, it's time to come home. All right, Turin, you know, you can enjoy the summer in Italy and then come come to Australia for the summer and then World Cup. Um, but you guys would be staying with it. Uh, look, the, the I, question- I should point out that I'm in a very privileged position that my ideological foundation never has to be tested because I don't have skin in the game. If I was actually working for Football Australia, I might have a different view, but I'm not, so I don't have to. That's a good point because, you know, I think the central question, which Jesse Jenkinson has brought up, we will, or he's saying, we will look back on years to come after the World Cup with regret if we waste the best opportunity to win a World Cup on home soil. If we do keep TG, what is a possible result? Uh, and our friend, uh, Banega, he put out a tweet, uh, I think a couple of days ago, asking for people's expectations. His name's uh, Brian, Nick. But his name on Twitter is Banega. So I give it him his Twitter name. Maybe he doesn't want to be known as Brian. Banega is a much cooler name, obviously. And then you cut his name out of the Twitter screenshot. Man, this is for the podcast people. Banega at B, Banega. All right. Tranquilo. Okay. What is your minimum to say, yep, TG, Tony Gustafsson, passed. They had a good World Cup. Round of 16, 5.9%. Quarterfinals, 33%. The majority went with semifinals. Wait, who, on the TS, then, who on the TNC account voted for semifinals? Uh, I'm not sure if this might Nick not Stoll. be the TNC account. I don't know. If I did, well, I believe that we should be making – that should be what we should be aiming for. The semifinals is what we should be aiming for. Where do I think we're actually going to finish under Tony G? Round of 16, right now. Um. I think this all comes down to draw, first of all. I think it's very easy to just set a goal, but okay. if you don't obviously look at the draw, I think it's very hard to come up with a definitive answer, especially considering, you know, you might get some more tricky teams who are ranked lower and all that sort of, you know, stuff that comes out of it. For me personally, if you, you're holding a gun to my head stall and you're saying, give me an answer, what's the, the passable? I think at the absolute, like I'm talking the absolute least quarterfinals, like quarterfinals at the absolute least, like, and that even for me, I don't feel a hundred percent comfortable with somewhere between the quarterfinals and semifinals. I'd be happy with like, if we lost in the quarterfinals and we played really well and it was a tough, like penalty shootout loss, maybe I'd be like, okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah, look, of that. but if, if they got, say, say, yeah, of course, but say they got like smashed in the quarterfinals and, yeah, different story. But I think that um, somewhere between the quarterfinals and the semifinals for me, they go out in the round of 16. That's a big, big X that goes against their name. They should be aiming. I think that you didn't include in this. They've got to win the bloody group. Like that's mm. one thing they definitely got to do. Like three games at home, you know, three big crowds. You, you should be taking advantage of home soil. And I think even as well in the knockout games, that should also be going in their favor. So 
I'm not sure. Um, I haven't actually had a look at how the draw works, but some might be able to explain with the bracket. But if we finish second, I assume we still play all our games at home or will there be Australia games? Australia is guaranteed to play its games at home. Fantastic. Okay. I was just double checking. Taron, <laughs> minimum to stay. Yep. Gustafsson passed. They had a good World Cup. Minimum. Okay. I think there's two different questions. Because I think there's the minimum, mm-hmm. which I think is quarterfinals. Okay. The minimum to say Tony Gustafsson passed, we keep him on beyond the 2023 World Cup, I think is more than that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that he would <laughs> have to put together something it, very impressive, I think, semifinals or beyond to to for a pass mark for him. So like, I think as a, you know, as someone who has watched the Matildas for a long time in a world cup, you, you hope that they get to the semifinals in the final, you would, you know, sort of expect that they get to a quarterfinal, that they win a knockout game. Um, But yeah, I, I think that the, the question about does he pass? <laughs> I, I think that that requires actually a little bit more. And I think that he's, he's, He's got to make the semifinals. Joey? Short of him making the semifinals or the final, I think Melandrieta leads the side to the to the Paris Olympics in 2024. Um, whether or not... I'm, I'm just not sure whether or not that's his decision or Football Australia's, to be honest, short of that. Um, looking at the expectations of this team, and me, let me add another um, qualifier and, you know, Taryn's multiple things. Also, on a commercial basis, what is the expectation for this Matildas team? Because we have to, you know, realise Football Australia have been bending over backwards to tell us for the past few years about just what, uh, how powerful uh, the Matildas brand is and how much money they're bringing into football and how much they're adored by the public and how brands want to be involved in the Matildas. At some point, these brands want return on investment. And return on investments, I have to imagine, will be at the Women's World Cup. Um, And you would have to think that these brands would want at least a semi-final. Um, Which, you know, really shouldn't matter. But when we're talking about a women's game that desperately needs more investment, to continue along the path that it's been going down, to continue to raise professionalism, to continuing to raise standards. These money questions, I think, actually do become a bit more important um, in the grand scheme of things from a non-footballing perspective. From a footballing perspective, um, I would say if they aren't making this, if they are losing in the quarterfinals, I would be hoping that they are either losing in absolutely heartbreaking, we was robbed style fashion, or they were losing to an eventual finalist. I feel as if if they go out and get pumped three or four nil in a quarterfinal, and then the team that beats them in the quarterfinal gets pumped three or four nil in the semifinal, that is not kosher. Because... This team has top-end talent. Like, this team 
with, with a home World Cup, with a partisan home crowd, in a one-off game where it's just your best 11 taking the field, no depth, no worries. Ideally, everybody's coming in cherry ripe or as close as they can be. Ellie Carpenter's going to be struggling for form given she's coming off an ACL. But it comes back to if this team is being led in a manner that allows them to operate at a sum greater than their parts. Hope one getting through to a semi-final, I think shouldn't be fanciful with all of the inbuilt advantages of a home world cup. Um, so yeah, I would say quarterfinal should be the um, baseline of expectation. Um, I, I, I don't think anybody's talking about them winning it anymore. I think that if anybody has outside of the Matildas camp, I mean, I don't think anybody's talking about that as realistic anymore. Although looking at Football Australia's marketing post, Socceroos making the World Cup, maybe that's what they desperately want so they can come out and say nobody believed in us. But I would think... Including their coach. The coach was like, I didn't believe that we would beat Spain. (laughs) Um, But I would think winning a quarterfinal should be... um, uh, should be a uh, pass mark. Realistic, realistic expectation. Okay, Toros agrees with you. Uh, Quarter final, I think, uh, will be acceptable. Edmund L. Young makes the point: uh, Can Gustafsson's Tillies match up against any of the quarterfinals at the Euros? Throwing in U.S., Canada, Japan, Korea round of sixteen will be realistic. Um, uh, the Homer legend says we have the best players in the world playing at the biggest clubs in the world. In my opinion, anything less than the final will be looked back as a failure. Um, here, Edmund A. Young also makes the point. Didn't you guys know that none of the host countries of women's world's cup did well in the last three or four tournaments? Is that true? Didn't the U S host and oh no, it was in Canada where they, Canada. they won in Canada. Yeah. France probably uh, had that mark of heartbreaking circumstances, loss against the US in the quarters, I think. Yeah. And um, then 2007 time. was China, I remember. So mm. not a huge, I don't know. Anyway, testing my memory there, Edmund. Hey guys, if you like this podcast and you like footy, why not join myself, Matt Walsh, Jake Michaels and champion data's Christian Jolly as we break down all things footy with the help of the game's best statisticians. Get the ESPN footy podcast wherever you stream your podcasts every Tuesday. Look, I want to get on to something a bit more positive, a bit more something that will unify us, I think, I hope. Uh, A-League women's expansion. Uh, had the good news this week. Joey, you can probably give us uh, the details, but the kind of the big headline is essentially uh, we're going to have more games. Uh, Western United's going to come in from next season, Central Coast uh, from the season afterwards. Uh, and good for the game, no? No, indeed. I'm uh, happy to take us through it, Nick. Oh, you were in the briefing, though, too, though. You had a lovely conversation with Danny Townsend. Uh, um, yeah. Shout out to no. Danny. Uh, you know, always good to chat with him. Uh, and, uh, you know, but I just, I, I wanted to leave it more to you, Joey, uh, you and a uh, friend of the pod, Anna Harrington, because I think you guys were asking the best questions and time to just like to let your stars cook. You know what I mean? It's good exposure for you. Oh, fantastic. Well, no, I think, um, as I wrote, um, in my article analyzing this, it's an absolute win 
Like, I mean, and the reason I say that is, yes, you can have quite, why aren't we getting full home and away this season? Um, and I'm, I'm going to have to be honest here personally. Uh, I didn't think this would be happening this off season. And people I spoke to in A-League Women's um, didn't think this would be happening this off season. I thought that when Omicron hit, and the seasons were being battered from pillar to post, I thought we would be told that commercially um, it's just not feasible uh, anymore and we're going to have to delay it and Western United will be coming in in 2023-24, uh, the Mariners later on by that, uh, maybe three or four years' time we'll get full home and away. So I'm coming from that baseline when I say that I think this is an absolute win. In fact, I think it is probably the APL's signature achievement since they've taken over the A-Leagues. I, I can't admit, like, outside of maybe keeping the leagues alive in the face of Omicron, even if we take significant issues with some of the things they did um, during that period, outside of maybe that, I think this is the best thing they've done since they've taken over the leagues. I think it's really important. We'll get full home and away first A-League women's season after uh, the Women's World Cup will bring up to a full proper full competition. Um, MacArthur's been replaced by Canberra. I don't think anybody's complaining. Um, and it, we're, we're getting what we've been calling for for years, full home and away. It's not the end of the journey. As John Didalitza told me for the ESPN piece, the goal has to be that eventually you will have A-League women's players just living off the A-League women like A-League men's players do. And if they have other jobs, it's because they want them um, more so than they need them. Um, that has to be the end goal. We're not there yet, but this is a massive positive step in the right direction, um, I have to say, before we get into the nitty-gritty of the details. Taryn, uh, excited for the, the new – excited by the news? Yeah, it's massive. Um, and as a Mariners fan, I am extremely excited because I feel like I've been in the in the wilderness of teams to support um, for for the last however many years. So, yeah, exciting. It's 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 fantastic. I think. Yeah, there is a little bit of. Um, I think there was a bit of uh, sort of. Uh, negativity maybe because it wasn't you know full home and away next season but I think that the you know overall we're there we, we you know we sort of we did it um we were going to be there and I think you know also it's it's quite promising to see the kind of forward planning as well like it's not just okay this is what we're doing next season this is how we're going to get through it it's actually like okay here is a here is a a plan for our leagues and I think we we need to see more of that here is here is a plan. Here are the dates. You know, um, I guess the you know the next step, as Joey said, is uh, full time professionalism, and it's got to sort of be okay. Like, you know, for for the the next step, then has to be the APL to say, okay, this is our goal. Here is how we're going to try and achieve it. Here is the steps that we're going to take commercially and and otherwise to try and make that happen. That would be really great. But I think even you know, it's it's just it's such a win. It's so exciting. Uh, more games, more opportunities for for fans to go. You know, the season kind of feel like feels like it's over in the blink of an eye. Just you know, trying to get uh, friends to to come along and to get involved in the season. You know, it's round five. By the time you can wrangle them to a game, and then you know, and then Christmas happens, and then they go on a holiday, and then the season's over. So 
you know, it's 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 really fantastic to have this opportunity. And I think uh, both in the lead up to the World Cup, having a having an extended season and then having full home and away after the World Cup, I think that those are, are two very important things. Looking forward to it. Uh, Nick uh, Vasilis has said credit to the owners of Western United for sticking to their words. Slowly, slowly, they're getting their club's vision together. Now, look, I think pretty much everyone in Australian football has been quite critical of Western United over the years since they've come in, but A-League men's champions, now they've got a women's team starting. Should the club be getting more credit uh, than they have previous? Um, I think to an extent. I think other than the fact that the stadium isn't there yet, but it's we saw some photos the other day, like talking about Western United as a whole. They're they're actually like they're building it, like they're, they're, there's no, proof. That, that, that's their training facility. Well, at least it's part of the it's part of the metropolis they're building out in Tarnate, Joey. Like, come on, at least give them some credit. It's part of it. Like, you know, well, I mean, they're going to play games out of that training facility anyway. At least the women's team are, uh, and probably the men's team as well uh, for at least a, an interim period. Um, but I think it is good that at least like they've shown that ambition to, you know, start building, the, obviously bringing in the women's team next season. And now it's Mark Torcaso as their coach during the week. Um, from what I understand, they'll announce some players. So, so some of the inaugural squad members will get announced quite soon as well. Um, so, Rekic, A-League women's player. Yeah, well, uh, uh, beyond the players that were at the um, the launch on Wednesday, I assume there'll be some more that will will come along and uh, be good to, to start getting some names. And, you know, that they've got a quite exciting vision, at least for that women's team. It's good they've brought Mark in as well with the call to connection. So that's that's definitely a good sort of pathway there. But one thing I, I, I really like about the fact that we're going to get more games is too, is just from a fixture point of view, it, we know we speak about how last season some teams, obviously with the, the old format, you know, it wasn't fair. Like just straight up, it wasn't fair. Like you play some teams twice and you don't play some teams twice. That's the problem without a home and away, a full home and away season. But at least this year, like it's the closest thing we're going to get to it without it being full home and away, which comes after the World Cup. So I think just in terms of an equalization strategy of fairness of a fixture, I think it's it's really important. Like it's it, it is so so important that every team has that opportunity to play each other twice or at least the closest thing you can go to it this year. And then there's that step afterwards because, you know, the the gap between the best and the worst last season was like, it was sizable last year. Like between say Sydney FC and Wellington or Western Sydney Wanderers, like it was like, it was the top four and maybe Perth as well. And then it was just this huge chasm and, you know, whoever got to play say Perth, oh, sorry, Perth, um, Western Sydney Wanderers twice, it's like, well, that's a guaranteed six points. But if, say, you have to play Perth twice or you have to play Brisbane Raw twice, it was probably the net, or even Canberra United, it's not going to be as easy and you might drop those points and that might help in terms of making finals. So, yeah, it's good to see that at least, you know, we're going to start moving towards at least a bit of equalization and everyone gets a chance to play each other twice. Um, I think I forgot what I was going to say. I have a question for you. There was a lot yes. of talk in the briefing uh, regarding in terms of extending the season is going to help us kind of retain talent. And while the APL kind of said that, you know, we understand that these players will now go to the top teams in Europe and that's fantastic when they do. We'd still rather that they, you know, stay uh, in the A-League women's if maybe that absolute top tier isn't come calling from. Do we think these changes are going to help that? Is that, is that the reality? Uh, yeah, that that's. Thank you for reminding me. Nick. That's what I actually wanted to talk about with what these changes are. Speaking to John, speaking to John Didelitz, uh, he brought up a point which 
I thought did have some merit. And I guess, you know, Taryn also get your thoughts on it. But he talked about how he felt he didn't use the words, but there was sort of a perception gap between what Europe offers and what the A-League women's offers. And he was talking about how it's not universal. It's not the same as it is in the men's game, wherein if you look at a league, you can sort of safely judge a minimum standard in the club's facilities and professionalism based upon the league that they are in. Um, he was saying it's a lot less uniform still in the women's game because it's still growing. So you might have a situation where like in the Spanish league, where the likes of Real Madrid and Barcelona have fantastic programs, but the ones at the bottom of the tree, the ones that are maybe getting relegated or the ones at the bottom of the table, their programs often aren't as good as A-League women's programs. And I'm not talking about the talent and skill. I'm talking about the uh, facilities, the support staff, um, the sports science, uh, the medical, the physios, all of that sort of thing um, isn't what you would get in the A-League women's. And we have heard horror stories of players going overseas into situations where the professionalism hasn't been there. I think uh, Jenna McCormick's experience at Real Betis, um, Emma Checker's experiences in France, where they've gone over to these leagues which score high on NRI and the big clubs you know, in France, your Lyons, your PSGs, are doing amazing things, but the same bottom clubs in the same leagues aren't at that level of professionalism. And Didalitsa was talking about how this might help counter that and players will now stick around not just to benefit from, you know, a Melbourne Victory player might stick around to benefit from all the facilities of Melbourne Victory or Melbourne City player or Sydney FC or Western Sydney Wanderer, and they won't feel pressure to go overseas just because they don't get as much match minutes in the A-League women's as they do in Europe. Yes. Um, I, I think, sorry. I was like, hang on, when do I jump in here? Yes. Um, I think there's there's certainly a, a knowledge gap. And I actually think we saw that a little bit with Spain. Like, I think that really came out and, and Portugal as well. But particularly Spain, people are like, oh, of course, Spain, amazing. And yeah, yes, of course, Spain have a good side. But I do think that people's perceptions on what a Spanish side should be are based on what what we expect a, a, a men's Spanish side to be. Um, and, and similar with Portugal, the, the perceptions of... Um, the way that they play football and and their level is based on what we perceive uh, the the men's the their men's side to play like and um, that definitely plays out at club level. I think a lot of people have this perception of oh you know the women's game it's like you know the the same you know you hear these uh, these these big names of these big clubs and you sort of know it's like oh that like plus America. <laughs> Um, you know, you just kind of add America to that paradigm in the women's game and sort of, you know, um, continue on. But we know the reality is very different. And I think that it's really important for a league like the A-League Women's who, you know, we've actually had a head start because it, was, it wasn't it was so long ago that, uh, you know, Kim Little, Jess Fishlock, et cetera, were playing in our league. And Megan Rapino had a guest in with Sydney Megan Rapino, yeah, exactly. Um, so... <laughs> you know, we've, we've, it wasn't, we've had a head start. And so now the, the challenge is how do you then sort of spread the good word um, and, you know, say, well, actually in the women's game, even though you might not have heard of 
Brisbane Raw if you if you live overseas or um, even though it doesn't you know maybe score high on the NRI index on a on an international level actually we have a very strong league and we have you know the national team plays a big part in that um, but actually it, it is the place to be and full home and away absolutely impacts that hugely because. It, it it you know it makes it seem like a real league <laughs> you know when you're playing a, an actual full home and away season as opposed to you know 14 games or, or whatever um all right well let's wrap it up there so we'll say great stuff uh in terms of the expanding of the a league um in terms of tony g we're undecided we're divided some of us want to stay some of them want us to go We'll see what happens. Uh, Taryn, thank you so much for coming on the show, especially because you didn't know that you were coming on the show until someone tagged you in a tweet. Someone who wrote, tune in tonight to uh, TNC at 7.30. The following people will be on the show and you message saying, uh, am I meant to be on the show? So is that how you like to be notified or would you prefer a bit more notice? I mean, look, I've got nothing else to do with my life. So I'm, I'm always available uh, at, at every time and, and I will always be on. But uh, no, it was a bit of a shock when I got that notification. I was like, oh, am I? Oh, you, good. You know what I like? I like the fact that we can maybe just, and everyone, just get ready on <laughs> Sunday, check your mentions. We're going to just tag random people and hopefully they come on if they choose not to. That's totally <laughs> up to them. Let's but I like the idea we just put the pressure on straight away. Like, oh, my God. So we've been talking on. about wanting to use our ESPN juice to get Marcotti on. Should we just at Marcotti and see if he asks for a login? <laughs> yeah, you know, we'll stop there. Leo Messi, let's go. You know, you know what I reckon? You know, I've got yep. – so, so at, um, at FNR, we've got this wheel, like the spinny wheel, like one of those lottery yep. wheels. What we should do is we should you put on every one of those spokes, we should put a different name and we'll spin the wheel every Sunday and whoever it lands on, they come on the show and I they like don't it. even know about it. We just tag them and say, Hey, you're, you're on. And then if they don't come on, we go, they were too scared to come on and face us. They, <laughs> they feared us. Um, so they, they check their mentions. Uh, they see that they've been tagged and then they say. It's time for the best football podcast. I don't understand this reference. He just, Alan just commented that, that right then. So I just thought I'd shout it out. So they say, oh, I'm on. It's time for the best football podcast because we are the best football podcast. So they want to come I, on. That's I true. I like, you're, not, you're, you're not very slow on the uh, I thought it was tonight, tonight. A, a, like a like a, a UFC reference there. Like, it's time. Like, that's what I thought we were going with that. But yeah, I tell you where we're going. We're listening. saying, Taryn, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you provided uh, level-headedness despite me trying to convince you that Tony G should go. Uh, if ever we're on the Football Australia board, I'll probably be outvoted, but I'll say some fun stuff. Um, but thank you so much. I you might not be because then we'd have skin in the game. That's true. Taryn, I hope you had a great time. I did. Thank you very much for having me. Always a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. We'll chat to you soon. Uh, guys, we're going to move on to talk about uh, – look, let's be honest. We just like talking uh, bullshit for the second half of the show. Uh, <laughs> this is not the second half. It's just going to be a little bit. But we're going to talk NRI. We're going to get the acronyms. Out. Oh, here we go again. <laughs> you know, all, all this stuff. First question for Joey straight off. This is the time. Just ask questions. The home alleged question for Joey. The Dandenong Stadium feasibility study was due to be completed by June. Have you heard anything? And in your – professional opinion the home legend please let's not go too far uh which stadium will start building first western united or city dandenong the race for the stadium um i haven't heard anything uh i was down there speaking with matt winley the doyen of southeast melbourne football 
um, about this the other week and he didn't mention anything. So I like to think he would have told me something um, if something was on the cards. So um, I haven't heard anything on that front. And if I had to pick one, this point I'd probably be saying uh, Western United with the disclaimer that I still am not 100% certain that we won't end up with Western United just expanding that training facility stadium and saying that that's the stadium. Uh, Philip Rollo, friend of the show, uh, Kiwi correspondent for the show, I'd say. If we, if we ever need to talk New Zealand stuff, Philip Rollo. If you don't follow him on Twitter, you should um, because, it, by the way, uh, about the Marco Rojas uh, transfer from, we don't know, it's not official yet, from Melbourne Victory to Colo Colo. That's amazing. Get to that. Hold on. Second. What are Colo Colo are? What are they there? Colo Colo is a very good team in Chile. Uh, you know, Shh, no, 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 no. Don't say Joey, that. don't say Joey we already got in trouble for that. Like, seriously. Come on, mate. Philip Rollo asked Joey, did APL say why they couldn't do a home and away this season? Seems weird to fall two games short. From memory, uh, I think you make to the very start of the briefing and you might be able to correct me on this one. Um, Nick Stoll, if you can cast your memories back. I think there were considerations being made to... Uh, what was the most feasible, not just in terms of bringing um, teams in and increasing minutes, but was sort of like building up the talent pool available and allowing for the transition to take place. Because I think what we're in, it was announced very late June, season starts in October, November. So it's basically... um, I think it was just more about management uh, and just making, trying to smooth the transition. I'm not sure there wasn't a, there wasn't a different, there wasn't any more relevant reasons given in the chat that I can remember, Nick. Uh, yes, and I um, was looking at Wimbledon stuff because I was having to plan it for Stan Sport. So I don't uh, remember, uh, but a good question, uh, Mr. Roller. Um, Alan Riley on the topic of, you know, would you get your information? Uh, he said maybe he meant to give it to a real journo like Nick DeBano, I'm presuming he's referring to. Maybe Nick Stoll. Who knows Alan Riley? Or uh, SMFC Mike. Uh, he sings for the Melbourne Flavors. Do, do you often find your professional standards, Nick, compared to SMFC Mike? Oh, I don't know. Is it me or is it? Uh, uh, yeah, if you're going to insult either me or how, 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 how is your how is your arithmetic skills, Nick Debano? How how much can you uh, well, manually today, count? Today, manually when I was at, today when I was at the Richmond West Coast game, I did a quick manual crowd count, and I was like a, a little bit off. I guessed three thirty nine thousand and two hundred and two, and it was thirty nine thousand three hundred and ninety one. So job, my arithmetic is sensational, Dad. To, to be but, fair, were uh, you grateful in the, in the words, in the words of grateful Slavin, for that image? I am absolutely grateful. I'm grateful for our fans. Like, uh, fa- and I'm sure Alan Riley is our part friends of the, of the pod. Our friends of the pod, Nick Nabano. They're not fans. Yes. They're our friends. Friends of the pod, and they're grateful. So hashtag friends grateful instead. Um, yeah, Stoll's thinking like, what's going on here? Or is no? Frey is uh, telling Nick Stoll off. What have you done wrong, Nick Stoll? So I just said that it was the espresso edition and it's uh, one hour 37 <laughs> into the pod and we still haven't messaged Nani uh, to Melbourne Victory, which uh, by the way, this isn't a, um, it's not official yet. Uh, you know, no, Nani hasn't announced it. No. Melbourne Victory haven't announced it, but you know, no. are we counting our chickens before they hatch? And the big question is name recognition index. We put it out to the people. No, hold on. Are we talking about Nani now? Now, oh, here we go. Play. Nani. Nani. <laughs> 
お前はもう死んでいる何That's great. Gonna have to cut that out for the podcast. Absolute <laughs> waste of time that was.、Uh, but we put the question. Do you want to explain that to anyone who didn't get that? It's an anime reference.、Okay, there we go.、Um, we put the question out. We said if Lionel Messi, David Beckham, and CR7 are a 10 and Cesc Fabregas scores an 8 on TNC's football name recognition index scale trademarked, where does Nanny score? And it's not looking good for him. 1.5%. It's, it's Fist of the North Star, the anime, by the way. I know that's important information. Cool. Check it out if it's on the stand. Otherwise, don't.、Uh, 1.5%. Well, hang on. No, no, no. If it's, if it's, on, if it's on Disney Plus, hey, hey, Disney, Disney Plus. Plus have a lot of good content, Nick Stoll. A lot、so、of good don't content. Disney Plus. Check out Only Murders in the Building,、uh, season two on Disney Plus. It is awesome.、Uh, if Leo Messi, blah, 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 blah. So he's not a 10. 1.5% said he was a 10. 1.5% said he was a 9. 29.5% put him on、uh, the Fabregas Balotelli level.、Uh, hey. And then. <laughs> and then seven or below, 67.4%. What do you guys think? Eight,、um, seven? I think、Look. he's a seven. Champions League. I, I, I voted. I voted seven. I voted seven. But there's Champ- the thing. Champions League winner with Manchester United. My yeah, that's the thing. Euro the winner thing with Portugal. Like, he played for Manchester United in a very famous Manchester United team, and he was a starter.、Mm. So like, I don't. Oh, see, yeah, but、I'm、the problem、reading. with that, when that situation is that he sort of like his name recognition got drowned out by all the bigger stars on that team. But he was he was like he was when you think of that team. team Uh, you think of others in that team before you think of him, though. So I like, think that be... prevents him from going to that next level. Okay, so so realistically, like we're we're talking about Nani is in the pre-first stint Ronaldo, or like sorry that Ronaldo first stint team, or the post-Ronaldo first stint team when it was like the end of that Fergie <coughs> era, because like he'd be maybe top six, seven stars of that team, and they had a lot of stars. Like you know, I mean, Rooney, Van Persie,、uh, Jesus. Talk about NRI from Manchester United back then.、Uh, you know, they there were there were guys that were up around the nine nine point five ranking. But I think I'm somewhere between seven and eight actually. I think probably more like a seven point five. So yeah, I'm in seven point five, round around the same be, level as because when、um, I when I saw the Alatelli, yeah, the the Optus metric. <laughs> shut up. When I saw the Optus met, metrics on Facebook, and Facebook is always a good. Like in terms of their reactions, because、yeah. Facebook are a lot of casual. Like, there's not like the Twitter sort of fit, twi- football fans on Twitter are a lot more diehard. Like, they people actually want to like keep in touch with the daily news. Like, a lot more with that sort of side. I feel like on Facebook's a lot more like casual. There's a lot more people have Facebook, and their reactions went through the roof. And I saw that post kept coming up on my newsfeed because there were people who I know are not rusted on football fans. That were t- tagging their mates, going like, "Oh my God, Nani coming to the bloody coming to the Aliga!" Like, there are enough people who I think who know Nani in that sense. Adrian Brett says Nani is definitely an eight on the NRI.、Uh, no, and I kind of think he's up there.、So、we're not talking about who he know, is, is up he there. As good a player as Fabregas, but he did play for Manchester United, who I'd say the second best supported team in Australia after Liverpool. He, you know. He basically was associated with Cristiano Ronaldo for a lot of his career. I think pretty much any decent、mm. football fan knows him. I、yeah. would say. It, that's, that's was was he、fact. ever the? Was he ever close to being the guy on any of his teams? One season at Manchester United, I'd say. Oh, and Sporting, obviously, when he was at Sporting, he was the best player. Yeah, pre pre Manchester United. Was、yeah. he ever like the guy on a high NRI team? You know what? And there was, was a bunch. 
There was a bunch of teams he played for, and I was like, "What? Valencia? He played at Valencia? Yeah, he played for Lazio as well. He played for he played for Orlando. Went over to Florida. You know, so with the retirees. I got a, I got a question for you. Last season, Melbourne Victories averaged attendance at Amy Park, clocked in at eight thousand average. Uh-huh. How much do you think Nanny increases that to ten? If that, but Melbourne Victory's crowds will increase organically. Yeah, that's the thing. You can't, you can't say, you can't definitively say that because with an actual schedule that isn't chopping and changing, right. with a second how year much, of the Popper era, it's going to go Had he been up. there last season, how much do you think it would have increased? If sorry, say, I, don't, say no, I, I, I don't, I don't think they're over ten k even with Nanny, just because last season was so terrible for supporters with the fixture. It's it's uh, a once in a lifetime event. Ivan Stragan, uh, who we know is a victory fan, says Nani to victory. Okay, cool. But after last season's Brimmer gets the vacant, coveted, and legendary victory number ten shirt. See, I I don't know why victory fans ask this podcast about Jake Brimmer. They're just going to get mad. Yeah. Can I can I just say something on a football level about Nani? Like like this is just someone who actually watched him in Serie A last season. Is he watched? Venezia? He was not good at Venezia. Now, I am going to reserve judgment until he gets here and see him, if he signs, that's, if he signs, has a full preseason, adjusts to the system. But at Venezia last season, he did not look up to it. He had a really good first game. He got an assist like straight away in his first game. But he fell out of favor very quickly at Venezia. He did not play much at all. And Venezia were 20th last season in Serie A. They signed him in January to help him get out of the relegation zone. Now... I know they changed coaches and they changed system. They didn't play with traditional wingers in some of those games. They went to three at the back. They played with wing backs and they played with two forwards. Or, But even when they played with forwards, like two forwards in behind one striker, um, Nani could have still fit that system. He could have still played as a second striker. But he'd even come off the bench in some of those games when they were chasing results. Like He just was not featuring. He looked in the games that I saw, he was not Nani of Manchester United days. I think people need to separate that. This is something you've got to remember. I know he had a really good stint in the MLS, but we don't like to use the MLS as a Ma- comparison yet. <laughs> so for me, I think when you look, this is the one thing we've got to take into consideration as well. Nani is obviously a very technical player. He's going to want the ball at his feet. He's going to want to play in a high possession team, right? Because that suits him. He's going to Melbourne victory for God's sake. And there were some comparisons about Venezia being a low possession team. And it didn't work out for him because it was a low possession team. No. Melbourne Victory are not a high possession team. Melbourne Victory are the complete opposite. If we've if, if we've seen a Tony Popovich side ever since he started coaching at Western Sydney, his sides like to play off the break. They don't want more of the ball. They want less of it. That is not Nani's kind of game. Nani, if, if Nani is supposedly like, you know, better with a high possession game, I don't think that for Melbourne Victory, just putting it bluntly, mm-hmm. and I know it's going to roll up Melbourne Victory supporters, it might not work in that sense. But I will reserve judgment until I actually see him play here. I'd like to be proven wrong because I think in terms of him coming here, if he can just be an iota of the player that he was, he'd be sensational here. But based on evidence from what I saw in Venezia, I don't know what condition he came into at Venezia. I have some concerns. That's all. And I think people need to look at that just beyond beyond the fact of him just playing in Serie A last season. Because there are a lot of players who just play in a big league. And we've seen Mm. so many of them come here. Like you can Mm. list them, rattle them off, who come from playing in La Liga, Bundesliga, Serie A, Premier League, uh, Eredivisie, Ligue 1. 
they come here and the, everyone goes, oh, well, they played last season at top division. They must be good. And they, they they just flop. Like, we can't just have that expectation straight away because that's Nani. If Nani comes well, here and he's great, sensational. But I, I just want to wait and see it in the flesh because last season he struggled at Venezia and that's facts. L- listen, I can't compete with Nick Nabarno's Serie A knowledge and saying how Nani will or won't fit in Melbourne Victory system. Now, Christian Volpato, on the other hand. Are you suggesting he comes back to the A-League? I was just trying to get a reaction from Nick. No, okay, no, 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 I'm, I'm over that now, man. Like, it's, like, it's, like, it's like you're trying to bring up an ex-girlfriend. Like, why am I going to get rattled about it? Like, what, On the subject still... of that, Nick, how's the that... dating life going along? No, no, Didn't you I'll have... just say. That's what everyone says about the ex-girlfriend. They always say they're over. Hey, on Nani, I'll just say one thing. Throughout his career, he was known also being quite an explosive player. That was also part of his game. Obviously, he's not going to be that explosive at this age. Now, Cesc Fabregas, on the other hand, was never known for his explosiveness. So if he comes in... He never relied on that. So there's no reason to expect, you know, the legs are gone and that's going to be such an issue. Uh, the home of the legend actually asked another question for the three of you, hearing a lot of rumblings that Cesc Fabregas isn't talks with Sydney FC heard anything. Uh, some guy was uh, it, messaging us saying uh, that MacArthur apparently very interested. Uh, so is in every journalist's DMs on, in Australia, I believe. We can say, we can say that MacArthur are apparently interested. We don't know. I mean, apparently, you know, why wouldn't apparently. they? Keyword, apparently. apparently. Keyword, apparently. We're not we're not reporting that. We're just someone has said that. Uh and I would think this is just my opinion, but I would think Sydney FC, no Ninkovic, no Pena, new stadium, get a Cess Fabregas. To me, that there makes were, a lot of sense. There was Scuttlebutt, which I am only and I think a few of us have only heard secondhand, so we didn't hear this from a source. We heard that from somebody that talked to a source that talked to a source, yada yada yada. Sydney had looked at uh, Fabregas and maybe had concerns about his physical conditioning. Look, um, right now he's and his posting shirtless photos with Messi and Suarez and looking pretty good, i got to say. So I, just on that alone, I'd bring him out. It's here. it's bloody Fabregas, for God's sake. Fabregas, how much running is he yeah. getting? Like, he just needs the ball at his feet. Like, he's like, a central midfielder. You don't have to. Like, he could just dictate. Like, like, I'm not sure which episode we said it on, whether it was last week or the week before that. He's on the list. He's been actively identified as a target by the APL. The APL have come out and told clubs that if you want Fabregas, we'll help. Like, he's on the list. He's been one of the ones identified. So, like, don't, you know, if, like, you see teasers and all of that sort of stuff. Oh, does anybody, you know, would Fabregas want to come out to Australia? Yeah, the APL wants Fabregas. Like, that's, and uh, to be honest, actually, Speaking of having to give credit, because we've we, we've done that, we've without flown our own flag on um, uh, Ante calling Milos Ninkovic a few months ago. Pretty for sure the first one, like yeah, Fabregas. We also on the nanny front. I did a good, uh, Twitter search of his name. Um, Got to give a shout out, Ray Gat, May thirteen. Yeah, uh, he was on it. Victory. He was on it on May thirteen. So if we're going to blow our own trumpet, we have to um, acknowledge others and Ray Gat. On you, Gatty. Yeah, can, I, can, I, can I just answer? I want to answer Alan's question here because he's saying the argument is invalid because Javi Lopez came straight from Espanol to Adelaide. I'm not saying this is every player that comes from mm. a division in, in the top five divisions and doesn't play well here. We've seen examples of a lot of players playing well here. But there's also the other side of the coin. 
It's both sides of the coin. There are players that are going to come here from the top five division and not perform. Now, again, I would love Nani to come to Melbourne Victory and play brilliantly. I would, I would, I would love it. Nani was one of my favourite players to watch growing up as a, as an individual player. He was sensational. Um, I'm just worried now that at 36, he's not going to be the same player he was. And seeing him at Venezia last season, it's it's natural when people players get older. Of course, they're going to regress. Like we have to taper our expectations of what we're going to expect from Nani if he does come here. Um, and Joseph as well said, you know, if he does what Leroy George did, I could sit out a pass mark. Well, Leroy George was pretty damn good for Melbourne victory. Like, I don't know if Nani's going to have the same impact. If he does, again, sensational. But Leroy George, I thought was pretty good. Like that that one season, he was yeah. he looked pretty, pretty good. Um, so, again, we'll wait and see. Like, I, I'm, I'm curious. Like, if Melbourne victory signed Nani, wouldn't you want to be trying to get this done like ASAP, considering they play Manchester United in... Just under a fortnight, like you'd want to get him out there at the MCG, playing against Manchester United. You know, get him in front of the biggest possible crowd. You know, neutrals as well. They probably come theatre goers. Manchester United fans will probably feel that sentiment of Nani playing against them. Like, wouldn't you want to try and like get this out there as soon as possible? Like, wouldn't you think that this would already be announced by now? Like, yeah, if the deal was done, it would be announced for sure. They're not yeah, going to so... wait around. So I don't know, but maybe they're maybe they're just getting these things take time. You know, everyone's got to get paid. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Homer Legend says personally, I prefer to see Fabregas at Bulls than City FC, just because it'll boost the Bulls' crowds and interest, which the league needs. The league needs to get rid of Macarthur. All right, let's just you know, don't waste Fabregas. You're going to bring Fabregas and make him go all the way out to Macarthur and just listen to cowbells in for three thousand people. Yeah, no. The the consistent line from the APL on this is that MacArthur aren't ready and that they uh don't want to rush MacArthur. They'd rather do it they'd rather do it right um rather than rush MacArthur coming in and that's why there hasn't been movement at the station that because they're simply not ready and but their plan is for them to come in eventually. MacArthur. Whether you buy that whether you buy that your mileage may mileage may vary. So so you don't think they'll get a marquee. What? I'll get a, a marquee, marquee, but they'll mm. get someone. But so you don't think they'll get Fabregas? You think Fabregas goes to a bigger club? Mm. Yeah. Why did I talk about Macarthur like the A League Women's? Never mind. I don't know. You go. Get, it's quite late in <laughs> that. Hey, here's yeah. a question. Uh, we got some questions flying in uh, on Twitter as well. Get your questions. Hey, and also, can I just say, if hmm. um, you're listening to this on a podcast, give us five stars in the ratings. That thing always helps. Subscribe, like this video, do everything that like, you know, you would just help us out. Little one percenters. Um, hmm. Daniel uh, has a question. NRI score TNC football is uh, quote tweeting an article. that says Mickey Mouse could soon leave Disney as 95 year copyright expiry. We can't comment Mickey on Mouse that. Is a d- d- beloved symbol of the Walt Disney corporation. Everybody loves Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse has a place in every young boys and girls hearts. And it would be a tragedy to see Mickey Mouse leave the Walt Disney family. Look, that's 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 TNC's statement on that. NRI score. Oh, 11. 15, he breaks the scale. 15, Mickey Mouse 15. breaks the scale. No, literally, who doesn't know Mickey Mouse? You know, there's very few people in the world I say are more famous than Leo Messi, Cristiano Ronaldo, and David Beckham. Uh, and Mickey Mouse is probably one of them. See that? Um, TNC, we are drinking the Mickey Mouse juice. 
We've also uh, had a question come in from Vincenzo Hot Dog, who, despite the name Vincenzo Hot Dog, actually asked some pretty good questions. <laughs> I, I love the name. Every time I hear it, I start laughing. Like I well, just, but it's, it's, just it's also Hot Dog. like it's great. You, you think there's going to be a dumb question followed by Vincenzo Hot Dog? With all respect, although I last week I think NRL <laughs> Kit Clash or whatever his name was got very annoyed that I brought up. Oh yeah, weird that a guy with NRL I, was commenting on I, a football podcast. It, I welcome him. Good, I meant it was good to have you. We just want to name hot dog like Vincenzo yeah. hot dog. Shouldn't it be like Vincenzo salsiccia or something like salsiccia? You know, like we're going to go for Italian. Yeah. Like, go yeah, the whole okay. way, Vincenzo salsiccia. You know, caliente. Maybe, is that maybe, he's a, maybe he's a former Big Brother contestant that hosts a late night show on Channel Ten. Yeah, even that reference is about fifteen years old. He says, "What are your thoughts on the domestic yeah, transfer system?" Not a wrestling one. That's true. What are your thoughts on the domestic transfer system and the importance for football Australia to further roll it out into A League to A League transfers and the mechanisms around it as such training compensation? That's a good question. We're not going to answer it tonight because we're late in the show and it requires more exploration. What we're going to answer is really uh, interesting. I'm going to just say it, dumb questions uh, like this one that we got from Jim Maloney, who said thoughts on the FQPL5 results with Pine Rivers getting a stoppage time winner to move four points clear of relegation. Oh, massive, massive. Yep. Huge result for Pine Rivers. Joey, do you think Pine Rivers, you know, do you think they should stick with their coach now that they're kind of moving clear of relegation? Well, I think my position on coaches has been made pretty clear that I think you should stick it out with coaches for the long run. The Pine Rivers um, Athletic Club have backed their man and they've backed his vision. So I think they should go on it. Now, do I think that they are going to be able to chase down um, the likes of Westside Groveley, Oxley United, Willowburn FC in that race of finals football? <laughs> Look at probably, you dropping the Probably names. not. I mean, you know, you, you, but everybody can't have a season like Springfield United are having every single campaign. I mean, you look at Springfield, um, they've only lost one Someone's game of 12. The they've got a, a close your browser. goal difference. <laughs> so, you know, they're having good. a great season. But I think Pine River should stick with their man. Here's what I'll say, uh, Jim. Why are they t- needing stoppage time to get a winner? All right. The performances yeah. within the 90 are not good enough. Whoever the coach is must go. Um, Jesse Jenkinson, he's got a question. Is Aaron Moy going to find a club to play some regular football at as he's not featuring for Shanghai? Uh, well, every People Melbourne City to, fan yeah. is yeah trying to make it happen. It's like they're trying to manifest it like by just bombarding with Aaron Moy posts saying, like, please come back. Does it would he probably this is two this is a two-parter. It's mm-hmm. should he and does he need to? Should he? Probably. You should mm-hmm. play football somewhere. Does he need to? No. No. Because he'll be in that soccer squad regardless. Yeah, but he'll I think probably he can start get a, get a move regardless. Else. Yeah, but um, he should I would like to see him come back to Melbourne City. Just talking see. about uh Melbourne City departures, guys. I think we've got to get back to our old question that uh from Jesse, at least uh I hope I'm coping all right after. I, I'm I'm okay, Jesse. I'm okay. I, I, I'm I know Joey's probably gonna pull up the vid, but uh I, I'm going okay. Uh it's 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 good to like to be honest, I'm happy now that he's got a chance to play somewhere else and actually see some football. I, I genuinely feel so felt sorry for him last season because like as I said months ago, like imagine packing up your whole life, you know, from the other side of the world during COVID and having to quarantine here with the proviso that you're going to play football and you barely see the pitch. Like that would be for anyone that would be soul destroying. I know that, you know, football is a dog eat dog world, but like, I don't know, just for me personally, like as, as on a human level, I, I feel sorry for him. So I hope that wherever Poochie 
lands next on his way back to his home world. Um, he finds a place in a starting lineup somewhere. I hope he, if he lands back in Serie B or Serie C next season in Italy, playing for, I don't know, maybe he might be playing for Albino Lefe or for Padova or something like that. Sensational. But I hope to see a Gianluca Di Marzio tweet saying uh, Pucciarelli has signed a new deal, signed for someone, and I hope we see some football. Uh, our friend Stephen Paletti, they ask a really... Hold on, are you not going to ask my thoughts about Pooch leaving? No, nah, yeah, Joey. Hmm? <laughs> don't care. Sure. Guy, what do you want to say? <laughs> to be fair, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> That's very good. That was very good. Um, uh, do you know, the, the other thing I think we've got to address, guys, uh, yeah. is there was a rumor going around today about Tomer Hemed going to Western United uh, mm. that was very quickly quelled. Uh, all I've got to say is... Um, so quick that I, I didn't even I, hear the first rumor. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I honestly don't think that that would have... Like, if, say, that happened, I don't think Tomer Hemed would have been a great signing for Western United. If Priyavich does leave and they brought in Hemed, I don't think they should have been looking at him. I honestly reckon that they should have been looking for someone else or giving that scope to actually, I know that mm. they've got a, a lot of kids that didn't see minutes, but I think they've got to start giving some scope for guys like Noah Botic and as well for Dylan Wenzel Halls to see more minutes. And if that is the case, like I think they'll go, if Priyavich does leave, they go out and sign someone else. But Tomer Hemed was, for me, even if that did happen, I don't think that's the guy you want to be looking at. Like he's just been here for two separate stints. Mm. It didn't work out for him at the Wanderers. I think Western United, should be aiming to do better if they were even interested at all. I would go with someone who's got Premier League experience, who's got Champions League experience, who has lived in Australia. Daniel Sturridge. You're going to say Daniel Sturridge. Go. There we go. Uh, uh, Adrian wants to know, should we see the introduction of A-League futsal teams? Yeah, why not? Let's get a little futsal league going. The F-League. Do a, pre-se- a, pre-season, a pre-season competition. No, but I mean, I'm not even saying the A-League, the, just the A-League's teams can have what are we going to call it men's or women's f league i done f it would be a league futsal i can't see a league's clubs flying around football futsal teams around no, the just country. do a tournament just do a tournament be a round <laughs> tournament yeah i feel like we're gonna we're, we're gonna answer this guys is alistair right. clarkson at preston lines the solution australian football needs to its coaching woes well look guys um that was i the last thing i expected on friday night was to see a photo of Alistair Clarkson at BT Cotter Reserve. In Can a you Preston explain Lions who Alistair and Clarkson is? He's like the great. He's like the greatest AFL coach of the past twenty years. The old coach of Hawthorne, who coached them to four premierships. Yeah, he left Hawthorne at the end of last season. He's currently a free agent. He's like the free agent coach looking for a new role at the moment uh, in his sabbatical at the moment. And he was in, spotted MPL at Preston Lions. MPL three. MPL three. <laughs> But is he, but do you think he's moving into that? Does he want to become a football coach and he's well, starting look, MPL three and makes his way? Well, up? he was he was spotted at an NBA game. Uh, he actually did a mentorship with Steve Kerr. Uh, mm. It was did in that NBA video and Clay Thompson rolled up uh, on a scooter. Oh, yeah, that's was, right. Yeah, and yeah, he was yeah, walking yeah. through. So I don't know. Maybe Clarko might be the someone that the APL. Maybe he's on the list. Maybe he's he's part of the the Magic Twenty Five for high NRI because actually. We're talking NRI. I think Clarko is massive NRI. Clarko? No, he's got no NRI. He's like a he's got no NRI in the two 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 yeah. states. Right. I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna go. He's got, he's got NRI. 
Bro, if I said you don't know how NRI works, Dick Devine. I do know how NRI works. Don't 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 give me that. Your NRI, the names that you recognise, Italians and AFL people, are very different to what us people up here in Sydney. If you said to me Clarko, I'd think Michael Clark or like I don't know Clark Rubber or something like. I'm not thinking Alistair Clarkson. In in Victoria, in Tassie, in South Australia, in WA, they'd be like Clarko's a he's he's a legend. He's a legend. It's probably me speaking as a. As an AFL journal as well. Yes, he's a legend. Um, we had a really interesting question from Stephen Paletti, uh, which I think we should get to before wrapping up the show, getting your questions if you have any. Uh, with Pride Month coming and going, obviously organizations within men's football have made massive progress this last year with how it treats the LGBTQIA plus community. And I personally feel safer to wear things that express who I am, jerseys, etc., at matches. Uh, as a fan or media. Uh, and that's fantastic that I can do that. What more can men's football do in the short term to make more people feel safer at matches and drive homophobia slash transphobia, et cetera, out of the game? I specify men's football because women's football organizations and the WOSO community, women's soccer, uh, does a far better job than the male equivalents, in my opinion. Um, it was interesting, the Guardian Football Weekly, uh, you know, not just to speak about other podcasts that are basically on our level in terms of audience, shout out Max Rushton. When are you going to get your Stan co-worker Max Rushton on this show? Max will come yes. up. But what I'd say is it was a really interesting listen. They just had a at Mac, uh, people tuning in at Max Rushton telling him to come on the national curriculum. T- tell him that Nick Stoll has asked you. No, no, to no, no. At, to no, no add, that. Don't tell that. He will text you. me and be like, what are you doing? Let me like, I'm on holiday. <laughs> but Stephen raised a good point, and they were kind of discussing this on the Guardian Football Weekly, and I found it really interesting. But one of the things they were saying is that in England, uh, a lot of the teams have created kind of uh, – fan groups uh you know for for that community uh and they're really integrating them and, and if you look at arsenal socials today they've done that there was a there was like a pride bus uh that had a bunch of fans on there and then Mikel arteta met with them and hector bellerin was there and some of the players met with them so i think that's one way to do it i would imagine not living there so i can't fully comment but adelaide united uh, have done some really good space with that which obviously um you know with the season that they've had and, and and pride rounds probably help, but I don't know. I think if you guys have any thoughts on this, but obviously that there needs to be the aim. I think it comes down to, there's a few, well, it doesn't come down to, there are multiple aspects involved. One, I think uh, there is in always with those, these sort of situations, it's, it's all, when you're talking about making anywhere, any environment, a safe mm. place, um, you know, it, it also, if you're talking about making it somewhere a safe place for LGBTQIA plus people, it's about making it an unsafe place for homophobes and people that spew hatred, just the same way as if you want your environment to be free of racists, you make it a safe environment for um, any for everyone and you make it an unsafe environment for racists. You make it clear. It's not just about making clear that certain groups are welcome. It's about making, it's also about making clear that people that spew hatred, that spew intolerance, um, that just spew things that quite frankly, you know, shouldn't be said and, you know, have no place in society, making it clear that they are not welcome at the game. Doesn't matter if they want to buy a ticket or not. If you want to spew hatred, we don't want your money. We don't want you as part of our family, as part of our culture, as our sort of environment. If you're actively making this space an unsafe one for other people that 
just are being who they are. Um, that's one of the aspects of it, and that's getting proactive. That's getting on the front foot. It does come down to stuff like Pride Round is great, um, and I, I would never say that Pride Rounds and things like that are bad things. I mean, we've only ever had one in the A-Leagues, the one that Adelaide United did that last year, but it's also have to has to be accompanied by action. It's cracking down on homophobia. It's educating. You can't. It's re, It's not really possible um, to nail down and educate your fan base beyond sort of generic ads. But it's it, it's educating your workforce, educating the players, um, educating your staff that work for you, and things like that. That any organisation can do anti-racism, anti-homophobia, all of that sort of stuff. And it also just comes down to. I mean, Stephen. They talked about wearing pride gear and that sort of stuff it's also just about i guess sort of being like as the word says proud wearing that i mean i'm sure i mean nick debano can attest i often wear a pride t-shirt to games i wear pride shoes to games i have a, a pride bracelet i mean just because you know i wouldn't i don't identify as gay but mm. you know it's just about being an ally and yeah. showing showing people that even if it's not pride rounds um, so, and you don't need to be as you don't need to broadcast it maybe as much as i do but yeah. it's just making clear that this is a safe place and welcome that's one of the things they were saying uh, on the guardian podcast about the, there was this guy and he he was part of the the lester you know gay supporter group basically and he was like look we have actually a lot of you know straight people who have kind of joined just as solidarity or just to say like hey just let you know like really think you guys are doing a great thing and people who for example um you know a father who is straight but the son is gay and so they go sit with this group and da da da, and they have a really good time and it's a really good way for them to just enjoy the football so you know m maybe do we see gay supported groups the the group i just looked it up the gay gooners is what they call themselves for the arsenal fans you know these type of groups and they have events and da da da, and you know then they're just another group of fans eventually at the game that you see all the time. So I think maybe that's probably um, the progress there, but I would recommend people listening to that garden football because they talk about that for an hour and it uh, was a really interesting um, thing. Alan Riley says, that's a great idea, Joey, uh, which he's right. But Alan, not big on giving Joey too many compliments. Uh, yeah. Um, hey guys, I think we should wrap the pod there. Yeah. Uh, what do I you guys agree. think? Did you, did you have a good time? I had a great time. I always have a great time on the pod style. You know me. Yeah. No. Joey, I'm always have fun. I'm toying whether or not to be a bastard to Nick DeBarno one more time before we go off the air with the. Uh, I don't no. Know. No. Okay. All right. No. Can you just leave me? Can you just leave? No, no. Can you just leave? Can you just leave me alone? Like seriously, just no. just let me be. I I am on little sleep. I've been working all day. I don't need you coming after me now. It's it's late, and I haven't even eat. I haven't eaten anything since like two oh. o'clock. Okay. I oh, know that's the same with me. I've got some chicken yeah. that I'm actually going to smash after this. Mm. But so, the reason yeah, you, that Debano hasn't eaten is because his microwave's broken. So <laughs> no. <laughs> The microwave, the microwave shorted my internet twice during the podcast. So that's why I dicked out the like. I actually went. <laughs> I actually went good. downstairs. I actually went downstairs and and like looked at my mum and I'm just like, are you serious? Like you know, <laughs> like come on. She's like, oh well, the, the, the I, I did make the coffee right the first time. I tore off the milk. I'm like, yeah, but 
do it later, man. Like, oh, um, this espresso edition has gone for two hours and ten minutes. Hey, Sorry, you can, Freya. You can check out the podcast. Uh, Freya please. is now actively replying to the TNZ stream, expressing her <laughs> how much she dislikes what's right. going on. Freya, you know, if you ever see a bad rating on this podcast, it was probably Freya saying, "Get these clowns <laughs> off!" Right. They're messing up my Sunday nights. Um, if you can, please uh, rate, like, subscribe. Uh, that would really help us. Uh, we really appreciate that. Leave reviews. Tell your just friends. listen to the podcast, even if you've watched the live stream in its entirety. Just turn the podcast on on Spotify and yeah, listen to it. Just whack it on. Just, just, whack, just, just whack it on just, and leave it on mute. all night on mute, and yeah, then just, do the same thing with Apple Podcasts. You know. Yeah, we um we've had some reviews. Even if you if you if you're listening on some random uh podcast app, give us a rating there because then we can just get five stars from one rating and everywhere. Like, yeah, everywhere. just like grab grab your partner's phones, grab your family's phones, grab your friends' phones. Just find their Spotify, put the grab curriculum go on, up, go put up, it on mute, just play it long. Go That's up it. to someone on the street and just say, "Hey, <laughs> give them a five star rating." They'll look at you like, "What are you talking about?" But when you explain it to them, they'll be like, mm. "You're making a good point." I want to. Give and you know what? Five star rating. Even better, if the ratings are good and the reviews are good, send them in to us, at us, especially if you use a fake name, because that's always funny, especially if the fake name is some kind of pun that's a naughty word, because I am eight years old and find that so funny when people get baited into that on live TV with fake names. But, uh, you know, leave us a review um, and we'll read out the best and even maybe the worst ones in following shows. I'm going to be away for the next three weeks for the TNC. Oh, boy. Next week. I'm going to be no some special guests. Special guests. If you want to come on, get in touch. Uh, <laughs> hey, we're going to have the, the spinny just, wheel now. The wheel. No, just, yeah, like as we talk with Taryn, just watch your mentions. We might tag you at like six o'clock at night that you're That's on right. the show. That's right. And there's um, nothing you can do about it. You were just on the show and you have to live with it. <laughs> but we want to say, as we always do, as we always do, just make this up. Thanks. And success, and success, as our as our Peruvian friends once uh, said to it. Homer Legends off to watch Gaelic Hurley. I don't even know what streaming service that is on. Uh, is it on? He's, he's in. Uh, he's in Ireland. Next oh, <laughs> shout out Homer Legend watching from Ireland. That's awesome. Yeah, I used to be on Satanta Sports back in the day. Yeah. Um. But yeah, thank you Anyways. so much. Tune in next week. Uh, we really enjoyed doing the show. Uh, we hope you did enjoy listening. 